Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. The whole gang back in for an entire week for the first time, and I believe a month. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Oh, this, well, this is the damn song you play. Yeah. Seriously, Alex, how was your time to? in oh, Disney World? I hate this song. Okay. For those that have never been, that was "It's a Small World." Yeah, a magical, magical ride. No, that not literally a magic. Makes me want to bang my head on the side of the wall as I am on the ride. It's it's, it's musical. It's music takeover is what it is. It just gets into your head. It's torture. And it just sings over and over and over. Yeah, it's in my head over. right now. You can't get away from it in that damn park. It's a small world. Stop, 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 stop it. Stop it. It's a small <laughs> Look, it was a great trip. Yeah, that's what it sounds uh, like. Um, <laughs> I didn't get that no, vibe from no, some of the texts I got. Honestly, it was a great trip in the sense of... My daughter's getting to experience that and my mm-hmm. wife and I seeing it through their eyes. Like my, my two-year-old, almost two-year-old, she was obsessed with it. She, she got to free. meet. That's, that's why they well, went. That's very true. She got to meet Elsa. She got to meet Anna. She got to meet Olaf. Was afraid of Mickey, but that's fine. Really? We, yeah, we forced her. We forced yeah, her to I, meet the characters I, with I masks. I think that's fair. When you have a talking mouse, not cool. Well, and the, and the eyes blink is just yeah. real creepy. Oh, the eyes blink. Oh, the eyes blink. Oh, it's really creepy. freaking weird. So here's the thing, though. I'm all about human decency and manners. Oh, that's out the window there. Oh, my God. It is. A, there is I, one of my favorite comedians, Dan Cummins, has a joke about how people need to have a little bit more respect for each other and how there is pure anarchy taking place on sidewalks. There is pure anarchy going on in Disney World, ladies and gentlemen. Like what the actual blank? Nobody walks on the right side of the path. No, man, you just nope. got to create your own path. That, that's it. And it's the about imagination people, and no, freedom. It's not about imagination. <laughs> it's about human decency. The amount of people that cut off the other people is just ridiculous. And it would be people like I thought we were set up because we had the double stroller that was wide that you could push through yeah. and create space. Oh, no. God, no. People will walk in front of you. And when you run into them because they stepped in front of you, oh, yeah, they look at you like yeah, you're the yeah, villain. Yeah. So that right there, I lost it. And my wife is trying to like calm me down. She's like, stop it. Because she's worried because we've seen that. That's exactly how I said that. We've seen that before. Because, well, we've seen the viral videos, right? We've seen the videos of like people getting into fist fights and lines at Disney World. And my wife's fear was that somebody was going to turn around and start a fight. So she's like telling me, stop it. Stop it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like uh, so, in my mind, the Italian I, came out. Oh, I, I said, <laughs> I kid you not. The day you sent us a text of this conversation, of people are indecent. I told BK, I went. I'm pretty sure, like I, I just picture Katie being like calm and collective. Well, yeah. Alex is oh, yeah. freaking out. Oh yeah. In my mind, though, like it was Sopranos Godfather. Like I'm dropping sure. f bombs left and right. 
but that was that was the start. And then for those that don't know, they do a fireworks show at Magic Kingdom at the night of in front every of the night. castle every night. And so you're there till eight o'clock when it starts. Mm-hmm. And I have a one year old and a six and a six month old. And it's like, OK, this is going to be a nightmare. They were great. I was not. Because what happens is you're that standing. It's your bedtime. It is very past my bedtime. I'm sitting there. We stand like in the circle courtyard area and you wait. Oh, where it's packed. For, for context for people that haven't been, that is the most crowded area in the entire park. In any given time that you're there is right before this uh, Magic Kingdom show in once, that specific spot. Once again, I thought human decency takes over and, you know, you give people the space that oh. they require. Oh, dude, there is no place dude. where people hate each other more than when trying to get their spot to watch the show that everybody can see from any place where you're standing, but we need this spot. That so is our spot. My wife and I people got there. We'll get there an hour before the show did. to make sure. We parked yeah. our stroller there at 7 o'clock and we said, let's go get some food. We'll sit down on the sidewalk. We can see the castle perfectly not a problem and then the the biggest villain in that entire place one of the workers walked over to us and said sir there's no you have to stand i'm like what and then all of a sudden it just it closed in on you i'm telling you dude claustrophobia (laughs) set in because uh, it's shoulder to shoulder and people are standing next to you like this and they're like bumping into you and for not to get TMI in this, but for an individual who has irritable bowel syndrome and just ate dinner, I'm sitting there thinking, if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm not going to the bathroom unless it's right here in my pants. Thank God and I didn't. And you can't sit down. So can't sit down. Out. So thank God I didn't, but it was a nightmare. Uh, getting out of that park was also a nightmare. That just, was the worst day. I'm still picturing Katie like having so much fun and you're just sort of, like but freaking see, that's out. The thing. She's also experienced with this. She, yeah, worked, true. she worked there. It, so, But that's the thing. Like internally, this is all going through my mind. Externally, though, I'm trying to keep it cool. Oh, so yeah, the we girls know how don't that see works. It. Alex, yeah. definitely calm, cool, collected. Cool as a cucumber. I actually was. Talk to my wife. I did actually a really uh-huh. good job. Minus the... Minus the almost... Minus the her telling you to chill out for a second. Well, it was just... A, you almost go Tony Soprano. <laughs> I, see, I just picture her, I just picture her thinking, I had, look at me, Alex, look at me. You need to calm the F down. That's how I picture Katie it going. It was the passive aggressiveness. <laughs> she was calling Pareto. Calm down, buddy. Calm, calm down. down. Hey, 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 calm down. It was the passive aggressiveness first day there. Once we got past that, I found a way to actually chill the F out the rest of the day. But... We did the Hollywood Studios the day after. That was awesome, minus the rides like completely being shut down, which was really weird. That's how it goes, man. And then uh, the last day we did never, it. never try to go on test track when you're at Disney World. It's probably shut down. Well, that was the other. We assume that it's not going to be. We working. only did a certain amount of rides because I'm like, one, I didn't want to traumatize my daughter, and two, I didn't want to wait in these lines. So it was it's like, insane. It's, it's we had to wait an hour and a half to meet freaking Elsa and Anna. Yeah. Thank God we met them, but that was it. So. Uh, did you go to Epcot? We did Epcot the last day, which what I think. What time were you there? So we got did there. Did you guys stay there into the evening? No. So okay. well, that was the day we left. So we got there at nine when the park opened because we tried to get to the. Uh, oh, that was the other thing. We went to meet the Frozen characters first thing in the morning. We got there. Hour you and, and a half. Everybody wait. else wants to. Yeah. The, the, before we left, it was a ten-minute wait. Yeah. I'm like, this is what we waited for. Stupid. I could have helped you out with that one. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Disney World over here. My question is, how'd the flight go? Because I know that was the biggest. That freak was out my for biggest you. fear. The flight there was phenomenal. Girls did great. Didn't scream at all. They were they were calm, cool, and collected. Although my wife and I had to sit in different rows because you can't. The full, the flight was full, so you can't sit there with a kid on your lap. 
because there's not enough face masks. So we had to sit kind of in uh, on the aisles next to each other. The flight back was just a nightmare because we didn't get a nap, got on the plane at six o'clock at night, which is bedtime. And both of my daughters exploded in their diapers on the plane. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So That's and, not and you're not using the bathroom when you're stuck next to the window. So I just had to sit there and hold that poopy diaper until oh, we got there. Oh, no. So apologies to the two people that sat next to me with that poopy diaper smell. Oh, oh dude. That's... Oh, see, I, I still think you got to get to the bathroom yeah. in that scenario. Good dad, bad dad. Uh, 314-399-9646. <laughs> I don't even freaking care. I got there and the kids survived. That's no, all I cared about. There seems to be a theme new, with new you game. and blown up diapers. I remember two weeks ago you oh, had the yeah, story the nursery, where she, or the daycare. The daycare. Well, but this one, this one was a little bit of there was reasoning behind it. I was at the window. We were an hour into the no, flight. I, I didn't want to wake these two people. How much longer pe- were you on the plane? It was another hour. Oh, and that, it didn't oh. smell like it's not like you smelled it. It's just yeah, I could tell sure. it was coming out the side. Yeah, good dad, bad dad. We need uh, we need to go ahead the and get this people? on the air comfort service text line three one four three nine 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 six four six. Was uh, was Alex a good dad or a bad dad by letting his kids sit in their poop for an hour on the plane? <laughs> well, she didn't care. The two and people next person, to me were sleeping. Person. I didn't want to wake those two people up and have to climb over them it just sucks mm. i could you not have done like a handoff too i don't know where was katie on this? she was on the other side on the aisle seat so i would have had to hand yeah, the baby well, yeah, over to two people who were sleeping yeah, you could do that easily and not how wake the hell are up? you gonna hand a kid over two people who are sleeping have you I ever mean, been I, on an airplane i mean yeah. i i feel like those people who were sleeping would have been happy to wake up for a kid well, obviously it didn't bother them because they slept the whole flight i probably woke up and went man this airplane stinks <laughs> i don't care somebody on the text line makes a good point Alex said that they were sitting in their poop for an hour. It's only a two-hour flight, man. Yeah, <laughs> it happened an hour in, and they sat in it for an hour until oh, we got off man. the flight. Uh, what are we supposed to do, you know? When we went... Life. So when I was there, Alex, we went to Epcot, and it they've always got some festival going on, right? So right now it's the arts and... Yeah, right now it's the festival of a-hole people that have no manners. Okay. Well, otherwise known as Festival of the Arts. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, as it gets later, more and more people come in, including like, especially on the weekend, it's a lot of locals that'll come in just to grab like food and drinks or whatever, right? Because they can come in whatever they've got the season passes. Well, as I was there and walking around, I'm going to grab myself a drink right before the show starts that night. I'm not kidding. Every single family that I saw was fighting in some capacity. I mean, I, I saw at least eight consecutive families that were walking by with either a kid screaming or a parent screaming at the kid. Or a parent screaming at the other parent because of how long of yeah. a day it was and how they had just reached their breaking point. I'll say this. So I, I get it, man. Yeah. You are not alone by any stretch of the imagination and potentially losing your cool once. The fact that it only happened yeah. once and it didn't actually result in you going Tony Soprano on anybody <laughs> is a win, I would say. I, That's I'll better say than I was expecting. Never yelled at my wife. My wife never yelled at me. And I never yelled at the kids. And the kids, honestly, other than Epcot before we left, didn't scream at all. They either slept or we kept them occupied because my wife is an incredible planner, had all of the stuff ready to go. The only time I lost my cool was when people just decided to veer off. And you know the other thing, too? Who the hell just stops in the middle of walking? Like, you're walking. I need to take a photo. Huh? I need to take a photo. Oh, that yeah, happens that, a lot. That pissed me oh, off God. so much. You, you want to know something that will set me off? Oh, my God. 
go God. ahead. You you go ahead and take that selfie right in front of me. I will plow right through your I, ass. Did you take? Did <laughs> that's, you, that's it. Did you take any photos where people like walk through while you're doing it? No, I know that's a common thing. All my freaking pictures. That I have no sympathy for. No, that yeah, I have I no either. sympathy for. If you're trying to take a picture in the middle of Disney World, you have to understand and acknowledge oh, okay. Well, okay. that there are going to be people that I'm, are walking through like, your picture. I'm thinking like if you're like going to I don't know. I know there's like hedges that are cut out in the shape of Mickey. Like if you're off towards that, it's different. That's what I was. Nobody cut in front of us on those, but that was the thing too. The amount of people that have to just like live stream themselves with turn around and everybody's a vlogger. We're in front of Cinderella's castle (laughs) at Magic Kingdom. Ma'am, there are 15 people walking behind you. Just please move to the side. Move to the side. I just don't understand how hard that is. Do you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And like I told you my got wife, home, you got home what, Friday? Saturday. Saturday? No, yeah, Friday. I don't even remember <laughs> what day it is anymore. It took me 48 hours to try and figure life out when we got home. Did you feel like you needed today? Like you need a, you need a day on your own of I just need, being like I need to not be with kids. I oh, need yeah. to not be with BK <laughs> yeah. and Tanner. No, I you just guys need are good. a day no. to relax yeah. and not do a damn thing. Yep. Because I, that's that's how I feel. I need to like isolate from humans after I get home from Disney World so, for like a 48-hour stretch. So I got that Saturday Sunday because Saturday and Sunday when the kids took naps I went in the basement and sat in the dark and didn't turn on any. I just yeah. sat there. I, I just needed silence. I totally believe that you did that. Too. I just <laughs> needed silence. But I also told Katie, I said, that was good for a four year span. Now I'm not going back for four years. I get it, man. Somebody from the 314 said only Alex can make the happiest place on earth turn in, turn him into a grumpy old man. I just, I, it's just human decency. People. It's you get the right side of the road. They get the other right side of the road. Yeah. Unless you're in Britain or Europe, and then it's the Otherwise left and left. left. Well, but they're not walking yeah, on the left. Yeah, they're on you. their right yeah. side of the road. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's real simple. It, I mean, it, I can't believe that's the nature. one thing that sent you off. I oh, just assume God. that's going to be crazy in Disney World. Uh, it just it pissed me off. It's just the amount of people that cut you off and just step in front of you. How'd you do with the walking, buddy? It was actually good. I closed my uh, my uh, rings on my phone three days in a row. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I got some exercise, which was good. I had shin splints the first day. That sucked. Yeah, it's but rough. We got through that's it. That's the part they don't tell you about. Okay. We were at like 20,000 steps you, a day. But see, that's the thing with kids. Like, we had to stop and change diapers, and we had to stop and feed bottles. So we actually went into a lot of the shows and sat and watched okay. rather than stood in lines and walked around because they needed to sit down and stuff. So it was perfect. By in the that end sense. of our trips, I want to have one of those motorized scooters where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. The, by the oh, way, those guys. people, those people are fake. They're big, fat phonies is what they are. That's what they are. I don't think you can say that. What? They're, they're, they're <laughs> big, fat phonies. <laughs> I don't know that we can say that. They, did, they are. I, I, I witnessed one individual who used it and scooted around and then would stand up and leave the scooter and walk yeah, away. It's not that they can't walk. It's that they can't walk 20,000 steps. Don't go to Disney World then. Don't go to Disney World then. You can walk from your couch to a chair and watch All Disney right, World get on YouTube. Stage. Get off the stage. <laughs> I'm getting angry again. Can we? What, what we got next? I'm getting angry. I'm getting hot. Alex, turn this damn music off. Alex turning on grandparents who just oh, want to see I, their grandkids. No grandparents are fine. Grandparents are coming. I seen it coming. Grandparents are fine. If you're 70 or older, I get it. If you're 45 years old and you have to use a walker, come on, come on. Don't go to Disney World.
Get off the stage. Get off the stage. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so. The math is overwhelming. No, this Blues team is not making the playoffs. We'll discuss it coming up in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, Greg Amsinger, man. This guy is at it again with his Jordan Walker takes. We'll let you hear the latest next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. So Greg Gamsinger's at it again. This guy, he loves himself some Jordan Walker. Oh, yeah. Him and Jim Bowden, they're on the front end of the Jordan Walker hype train. Choo-choo. They were talking about him over the weekend. Here's what Greg Gamsinger had to say about whether or not you let Jordan Walker open the season with the big league club or let him sit down in AAA and make sure he's ready to go. People want Jordan Walker in the opening day roster. And now there is incentive these days to have a rookie break camp with your team if they're one of the top 100 prospects. When you look at Jordan Walker, a six foot five, big right-handed bat who played mostly third base in the minor leagues, they switched him to the outfield. He's gonna be competing for a right field spot. If the Cardinals don't need to rush him, he's only 20, why do it? But on the flip side, if you know inevitably he's going to be on the roster. So if you view your player as a star, which I think they viewed this kid as a star, why not break camp with him? So that's the question that I wanted to ask you. 314-399-9646 is the air cover service text line to get involved in the show. Alex, if you're in Mo's situation, you're Gersh, you're Ollie Marmol, we're having this conversation. You know, we're, we're all three having these, this conversation. I feel like Alex would probably be Mo in this scenario. Tanner would be Gersh. I'll, I'll be Ollie. Right. For, Who wants coffee? For this scenario. Whoa. That's not nice. Don't need that. Well, I will. Take some. We're having the conversation creams, internally please. about what we do with Jordan Walker. And we haven't seen anything yet, right? We haven't seen the World Baseball Classic, haven't seen spring training. We're just, you know, hypothetical scenarios here. Do you want Jordan Walker opening the season with the Cardinals or what? How are you approaching this as we get closer and closer to spring training for the Cardinals? So real quick, the incentive, if Jordan Walker breaks camp with the big team, big club and he wins rookie of the year, that's a Draft first pick round pick, yeah. correct? Yeah, the compensation sort of pick, some sort of comp pick. So that's the incentive that would be intriguing to the Cardinals, but that's only if you believe he is ready for it. And that's where I'm hesitant with Jordan Walker. If I'm Mo right here, I'm going to pull in my uh, posse and bring in Michael Gersh and bring in Ollie, and I'm going to ask the question, do we feel like maturity-wise he's ready for this? Yes, because he seems like a pretty mature kid. Great. Do we feel like physically he's ready for this? Yes, looks like he's in great shape. Do we feel like mentally he's ready for this? That's where my hesitancy comes into play. Because if you go back and look at the younger players that got their first shot at major leagues, at least recently for the Cardinals, they've struggled a little bit. Dylan Carlson's the one that most recently comes to mind. Even Nolan Gorman had his lumps this season. So if I'm Mo and I know Jordan Walker is going to be a stud for me, I'm going to slow play this. I got a ton of options. I got a ton of bats. My outfield is at least set right now in terms of show me what you got with O'Neal, Carlson, Newt Bar. Jordan Walker, go to Memphis. Take your time. I'm not putting you in this spot yet. When this team starts rolling and you're playing well in Memphis, that's where you're going to get the call up because you'll just fit right in like a glove. I, I think the Cardinals want Walker to win a job out of spring training because then they know, hey, we might have one of those diamonds in the rough. And that's not saying if he gets sent down, he's not going to be a superstar. Diamonds in the rough. Like Aladdin? 
Isn't that a isn't that like a thing? People yeah, that'd say? be like if I mean last year Brendan Donovan coming out of nowhere. All right, fine, Brandon. <laughs> this is bad analogy. This is, this is a uh, uh, diamond in a diamond. But I, I think I think the Cardinals want him to win a job because if he comes out of spring training, wins a job, they know okay, we might actually have one of those young superstars like Julio Rodriguez that we've talked about. If he doesn't, I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. They just know, okay, he's not ready yet for the major leagues. He's not going to be that rookie of the year potentially right off the bat like we think. They're going to slow play. They, they're going to play him like they did Nolan Gorman last year where it was, yeah, okay, he can win a job out of spring training, but it's going to take an incredible spring training. And if he doesn't perform like he's hitting like 500 and he shows struggles, they're going to send him down to AAA where he's going to get playing time because he's not going to be up with the big league club unless he's got a starting job and you can pencil him in somewhere on that opening day lineup when they open the season against Toronto. Otherwise, he's going to go down to Memphis for a while. He'll probably spend a month to two months is probably what the goal will be. If he plays well, they'll wait and see how the outfield situation turns out. Somebody's not hitting, O'Neal's not hitting, or O'Neal's hurt, or Carlson's not hitting, or that Lars isn't happen. hitting. Nah, I know. I was just All throwing those out guys are going to hit. Uh, if one of those guys doesn't hit and Walker's then tearing up, in AAA, then you call him up and you put him right in that line and say, okay, you've got about a, I don't know, two, three-week run. Let's see what you've got in the starting line. I think that's how they're going to approach it, but I do believe they want him to win a job out of spring training. I think they would be fine with him winning a job out of spring training, but even then, I think it's more determined based on what these other guys do than it is what Jordan Walker does. Like, I think that they're expecting right now their starting outfields on opening day to be Carlson, O'Neill, and Newt Bar. And I think that's the right way to approach it. you got to find out with these three guys first. What do you have? Who are they? Are they starters or are these guys that you made the wrong bets? Is Tyler O'Neill just never going to be healthy again? And 2021 was an outlier season that when we look back on it, it's like, whoa, man, you remember that Tyler O'Neill season where he was a legit MVP candidate and then was never that guy again? That's possible. Dylan Carlson, man, remember when he was one of the top prospects, not only in the Cardinals organization, but in Major League Baseball? Couldn't try it right? my cold, dead hands. That's possible. I think Lars Newtbar is a guy that, I mean, they've said it publicly. He's the one player that right now in their outfield has a starting job on opening day, barring something unforeseen. So they're they're definitely building around him. They balked at the idea of him being traded in a deal for one of these cheaper uh, catching uh, options that they had in the offseason. I think those three guys need to start the season as their opening day outfield. And then find out for a month or so what they look like. And if one of them is not performing, to your point, Tanner, that's when you bring Jordan Walker up and you replace that guy with Jordan Walker. And he becomes your everyday starter in probably right field, regardless of who the guy is that he ends up replacing. And then you just move the other two around, depending on who it ends up being. I think that's the way that this ends up going. And I think that's what they're hoping for. Like they just want to find out what these three guys are first before they have to move their their decision-making process on Jordan Walker. And I'm seeing a ton of texts come in on our Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. People saying you have to bring him up, especially if he hits in spring training. Let the kid figure it out at the major league level. I look at Jordan Walker, and I know they're different in terms of what the expectations are as what the Blues did with Jake Neighbors. And what Doug Armstrong said of him is he's not going to be on this team if he is a 9-12 through 12 forward. Why would you want Jordan Walker up here as a fourth outfielder? And I know people are going to say, well, you play him over Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill, especially if they're not hitting. 
They're not going to do that because they need one of those two players to be good this season if they want to win a World Series. So why would you put him up here if he's on the bench, if he's not getting DH opportunities because he's not going to get those, especially over a Nolan Gorman or a Juan Yepes, and he's not playing the outfield if they want to see what they've got. So let him be the everyday starter in Memphis, go a full month with Jordan Walker just crushing the ball at AAA, and then when one guy stumbles... That's the internal competition to where you tell Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson, hey, you're not performing. Jordan Walker's ready to perform now. He gets his playing time. One of those guys has to figure it out. I think he's on the Nolan Gorman plan from last year, yeah. but it more accelerated. I, I think he's going to be a little ahead of where Nolan Gorman was, but a similar idea where last year they needed to find out what is Paul DeYoung. And we were all frustrated by it. We were all looking at it like, how can you still continue to put this guy out there? But what I do have to give the organization credit for is when they found out, okay, it's just not here. DeYoung doesn't have it this year. They decided to make the move, and they brought up Nolan Gorman when it was necessary. They gave Brendan Donovan the playing time. They moved um, T- Tommy Edmond over to shortstop. They made all the necessary moves in the middle, middle infield that we were hoping for. Did it take them an extra two weeks compared to what we wanted? Yeah, probably, but I think they ended up making the correct decision, and it, it bared out that way. I think the same thing will be true this year. I think there will be Cardinals fans that early in the season are watching what Jordan Walker is doing down in the minors, watching what your outfield production is, and saying to themselves, whoever it ends up being, you need to replace that guy in the outfield that's not performing with Jordan Walker. Wait another two weeks after that, if that guy's still underperforming, that's when I think they make the move. So it might be four, six weeks maybe even before we see Jordan Walker. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's the right way to handle this. He's 20 years old, guys. Let's give them a little bit of grace on when they decide to bring him up. I, th- I think that's the way they're going to operate. See, I, I think if he's tearing the cover off the ball in spring training and, and someone's not performing well, say it's – I'm just going to throw Lars' name out there because Greg Amzinger mentioned right field on that cut. It, if Lars is struggling and he's at the WBC struggling and then he comes back to camp and he struggles and Walker's just tearing the cover off the ball, I don't think you slow play it. I think you accelerate the process, see how he fares in the majors, and if he struggles, then he can go down in the minor leagues and you have the game plan of what he needs to work on. I, I think you want to have more of an idea of instead of doing the approach with Paul DeYoung, and, and in fairness to the Paul DeYoung situation, they didn't have a potential star waiting in the wings. They, they had Tom Yemen. Well, I, well, okay, at second base. But I'm, I'm saying, like, Edwin, you could shift him over. They had Gorman. They had Donovan. I'd say the same thing is true here. Like, you I, don't, I don't think if, they viewed Gorman ever as high as they viewed Jordan Walker. And I think that's the difference. I, I think Walker's I know, a guy man. they, they view were as, on pretty similar paths. Yeah. I mean, they, they, what, Gorman was at AA the year before and then ended up getting some opportunity at AAA. Like, they, I think they're pretty similar in terms of their path. Gorman was a big-time prospect. He was a big-time prospect, but he was never hyped as much as Jordan Walker's been. So right. I, I look at it and He's I also say— also older. Yeah, and I, I look at it and I say, okay, well, if you can potentially get an answer to— to some of your outfield question right off the bat, and it's, hey, Lars Newbar didn't prove that he's an everyday outfielder here in camp. Let's see what Jordan Walker has, and maybe we find the solution quicker than waiting two months. Or you end up having to send him down, and you're back in that question. But I, I think if he's hitting the cover off the ball in spring training, I think he's going to earn a job out of the camp. I don't think they have any incentive to put him down to Memphis then. So before we get out of here, uh, and on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about the math that is firmly against the Blues at this point in time and what it means for their deadline plans. Uh, Guys, I saw a piece over the weekend on who's going to lead the Cardinals in home runs. And one of the dark horse candidates was actually Jordan Walker. I think that's crazy. Greg Amzinger write that piece. Yeah, I know, right? I I don't think Jordan Walker has any chance this year of leading the Cardinals in home runs. That's just, that's getting way out over our skis. But if you look over at the Fangraphs projections on 
who's going to lead the Cardinals in home runs. They've got Nolan Gorman, actually, is the guy that will lead the team this year with 29 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt's projected at 26, Arenado at 25, Yepes at 24, O'Neill at 22, and Contreras at 20. Lars Newbar, for what it's worth, is at 18 on these projections. How many did you say for Goldschmidt? Uh, 26. Damn, underplaying the MVP, are we? I, you know how this goes. They're always kind of conservative in terms of what they're projecting. I mean, he... Like 36, 33, 34, 31, 35 is his home runs over the last five full seasons, and they're projecting 26. It, they're they're going with the regression to the age curve. If I had to pick one, mine would, would you go with? Mine would be Nolan, Ar- Nolan Arenado, because not getting, although I'm sure he understood he wasn't getting the MVP, and Nolan Arenado seems kind of like the guy that's going to hold a grudge off something like that, and then also the list on MLB Network of third basemen. I would expect a massive year for Nolan Arenado. It's very similar to what Paul Goldschmidt just had. He'd be my leader in terms of home runs this season. See, I'd go back with uh, Paul Goldschmidt. I I think Goldie's going to have another big year. I I don't think he's going to have that regression curve that we're talking about. I I think Goldie's my guy. I could see Arenado getting there, but I I just like Paul Goldschmidt in that scenario. And And if I to throw out a dark horse candidate, I would go with Gorman. I, I think Gorman wins a job, wins a job, or is platooning with Yepes at DH. He's got the raw power to hit 30 bombs. My dark horse would be Juan Yepes. So this is what's funny. Last year we did this as well, where we were like, man, they could have six guys that have 20 plus home <laughs> oh, runs, right? Two. <laughs> and, and, or three. Like, if we're being reasonable about it, like, Gorman just didn't have the playing time last year. Uh, Tyler O'Neill got hurt. Paul DeYoung, if he had played every day, and he should not have. Probably would have ended up hitting 20 home runs because that's all he does is he either hits a home run or he doesn't get a hit. Um, I think Newt Barr's a guy that if he plays every day probably gets to about 20 home runs. So they've got the players that project that way. If I took Goldie, Arenado, and Gorman off the table, those three, because I think they're probably the three favorites to lead the team in home runs. Gorman, Goldie, Arenado. Who would be the next man up in your mind? That's like, man, this guy could hit 30 home runs for the Cardinals this year, and it shouldn't shock anybody. Because I I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying this. I would go Tyler O'Neill. I would also, I would go O'Neill, but I strongly consider Wilson Contreras. Because especially if he's going to be hitting that one, two, three, not but behind Goldie mm-hmm. and Arenado, you're going to see some good at-bats if you're Wilson Contreras. I would probably go with O'Neal, too, just because we've seen his raw power. I mean, he's got maybe the best raw power on the team outside of maybe Gorman, but I don't mean, look at O'Neal. I think it's probably him. Contreras will be interesting because I think Contreras' numbers will depend on if he is hitting fifth, kind of what you're saying at the back of that one, two, three, does he get protection behind him? Because if not, I don't think he's going to get as many pitches to hit, which will take down that home run number. If they end up putting him to Gorman. Yeah, so if Gorman ends up hitting well or Yepes, whoever's behind him and is hitting well, I can see Contreras getting there. Also, that first year in a Cardinals uniform, wanting to be here, trying to prove some people wrong of showing, hey, I was better than the Sean Murphy, the Alejandro Kirk. So, yeah, I, I could see Contreras doing it. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. We'll get to that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, I thought there was a great piece over on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch yesterday on the math behind what it would take for the Blues to get back into playoff contention. 
Spoiler alert. It is very much against them right now. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So right now, if the season ended today, Alex. The Blues would have the number eight overall pick in the NHL draft. Ah, but tinfoil theory, it's conspiracy. They'll probably get the first overall pick. And that is because there is a lottery system in place in the NHL. And as of today, they have a 6% chance to get the number one overall pick. Those are great odds. So, Alex, over the weekend, I was reading this piece in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, or Guy DeFranks. He wrote about the math behind the Blues' current situation in the Western Conference. And, boys, it is not good. I will read from his piece now. Quote, typically, there's a 95-point mark that is used as an unofficial cutoff for making the postseason. Right now, that projected cutoff is actually about 97 points in the West, as the Avalanche are on pace for 97 points. If the Blues were to reach that threshold, 97 points this year, they would need 48 points in their next 31 games. To put that in further context, the 2019 team, the historic comeback, right? Nobody's ever seen anything quite like that season for the Blues. They did not have a single stretch like that all season long. The best 31-game stretch on the Cup team was 47 points over a 31-game stretch. Quote, that would still likely not be enough for this year's Blues to be able to make the postseason, end quote. Again, that all comes from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch website. Alex over on The Athletic, they give the Blues a less than 1% chance to make the Western Conference. They're in a category in the West with the Canucks, the Sharks, the Coyotes, the Ducks, and the Blackhawks. We have talked in every possible way about what this season is, where they are heading, whether or not you tank, whether you sell, whether you... What does this team do, Right. Last week, Kerry brought up the question. I thought it was a fair one. It was an interesting one. If this team went 8-2 and two in their next 10 games right before the deadline, what do you do? Does that change your mindset at all? When I read this, when I look at the way that the math sets up for the Blues right now, my answer is no. Nothing. Literally, even if they won literally their next 10 games, nothing would change my approach at this year's deadline. It is very simple. It is time to sell, sell, sell. If you can re-sign one of these guys and you can keep them around for the long haul, sure, maybe that changes things. But barring something unforeseen with those contract negotiation talks, we know where this team stands. They've had 50-plus games to be able to get this thing turned around, to get it right, and they have not been able to do so. There's nobody to blame but themselves. It is time to firmly entrench yourself in the sell market. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm at, too. There's no reason for this Blues team to act as if the playoffs are still achievable. Now, the players are going to do that, of course, because that's what they get paid to do. Baruby's going to do that. That's what he get paid to do. But Doug Armstrong, Doug Armstrong's in evaluation mode now. 
because with 31 games remaining, and it's not like you're playing 31 games against the Arizona Coyotes, a team that did beat the Blues most uh, recently. Uh, was that a good example? It was, was a great example. We didn't do well. They their Their schedule is tough. Also, going into the trade deadline, you only play two games on the road, um, three games on the road before the trade deadline. You want to know what the Blues record is on home ice? It's two games below 500. So you're in evaluation mode now. And I'm assuming Doug Armstrong is looking at this also where who makes sense for us after this season? Do we re-sign somebody or do we go into full sell mode and just sell everything? They're selling. Don't question that because the Blues record showcases where they're at. But looking at that and putting it into perspective, as Matthew DeFranks did for the Post-Dispatch, 2019 felt impossible. You can't do impossible twice with this roster on top of what they accomplished in 2019. So O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Barbashev, and then the UFA list from there now is let's see what we can bring in and let's see what that can do for us next season. I'm glad you said it's something that was impossible and probably can't be done again because that's what I kept bringing up last week was you look at that 19 cup run team. That's only something you're going to see once in like 100 years or once in your lifetime. It, it is not something that's going to occur a lot. And, and when you look at this team, and thanks to the Franks, we can now we now have some of the numbers, it's going to be even tougher than what the 19 Cup run team went through. And you're also going to have to try doing that while in 10 games they can't prove anything. So I, I can't see them in terms of when they sell off O'Reilly and Tarasenko, after that be able to go on a run and get into the playoffs. So it is now into that mode of, okay, let's evaluate what we have. Let's see if there's anybody that we're looking at that we think, you know what, we can bring back Achari on a two-year team-friendly deal, then let's go ahead and do it. But yeah, you're right. It, it is now more evaluation mode for Doug Armstrong in the front office than it is looking at, okay, we're going to be a playoff team. How do we add to this roster? No, it is now sell mode and evaluation time. Yeah, I just... I think that we've all kind of arrived at a place of acceptance now. And I, I think it's because they struggled so much going into this break. Right. And now we've been able to take a step back, think through things clearly and soberly, and just say to ourselves, like, all right, I get it. it. It makes sense. It's the right thing for the team moving forward. If they're going to go through a retool or a rebuild, whatever this next iteration of the St. Louis Blues looks like, this is the starting point. And then you get, it is a choose your own adventure from there of, okay, what do you do with these picks? That's going to be the starting point. And then that'll tell you a little bit more. They'll tell us with their actions, not their words, what this next portion of St. Louis Blues hockey looks like. But it all starts over the next about nine four ga- weeks. Yeah. You got nine games going to the trade deadline. You can't change the outcome of your season with nine games. You're not going to change Doug Armstrong's mind of, you know what? Let's keep these guys. We went nine and zero in this stretch. 9-0 and for how the Western Conference has played probably keeps you in the wild card spot still. You're not even sitting in a top two spot. No, so yeah. you're you're in sell mode. Now what you need to do is make it a bidding war between everybody for your players. And you, you just got to hope that Ryan O'Reilly returns healthy, which I don't expect any flaws there because O'Reilly keeps himself in great shape. Vladimir Tarasenko comes back with what he did at the All-Star game in these next nine games, and you just continue to perform because those pieces just rise their stock for Doug Armstrong. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service tax line. We'll get to questions and answers coming up here in just a bit. We'll talk to Vince Gennaro of MLB Network coming up in 15 minutes. He had Wilson Contreras as the number nine catcher right now in Major League Baseball. What could he do this year to move up that list? We'll talk to Vince Gennaro about that coming up at about 12 o'clock, but questions and answers coming up next. We're right back.
back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text 314-399-9646. PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by James Carlton with State Farm. Have drivers under 25 on your insurance? Save hundreds of dollars a year with CarltonInsurance.net. 399-9646 is the air comfort service tax line to get involved. If you have any questions, we will try to have some answers. Vince Gennaro will join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Let's start with this one from the 314. Guys, the Cardinals outfielders and designated hitters, O'Neal, Carlson, Newtbar, Yepes, Burleson, Gorman, Walker, etc., hit 119 home runs in 2023. That would average 17 each. Would you take the over or under for them? That is a lot of math that I would have to do on the fly. 119 total? 119 home runs. So I, let's go through real quick, like, oh god, random projections, right? Okay. Tyler O'Neill, what would you guys set as the over under for him? If healthy, I would go yeah. o- healthy. I would say over, over 27. I'd say. Oh, jeez. What? He's got like 30 home run power. Yeah. yeah. I, what, I thought, 34. And I thought 20, we were just saying over under the like 17 that. per player. Yeah, but let's go. Let's go like individually. Okay. What we expect? Yeah, I would probably 27 put it, seems fair. Yeah, it's, that seems good. Carlson. Like 18? Yeah, I would put 18. Probably He's 18. the one I'm not sure about hitting 20. Newt Bar? I would go probably similar, right? Like 18, if yeah, I'm being conservative. He finished with 14 last year, and it was yeah. very... I think I might take the under on that, because he did finish 14 last year, but I also think he's going he's gonna to get more it's really time. A, yeah, yeah, it's a playing time argument with him. Yeah. Yepes, 20? I think 20 yeah, would be about I, where I'd put him. Yeah, Same way I would put I would put about twenty on Gorman. He's so got twenty home runs. Burleson power. is the one that I'm going to go super low on. Yeah. I'm going to say like five. I was going to say I'd probably just because I have no idea how much he's going to play. Probably go like seven and take the under. I would agree with that, and I just don't know how much pure power he has. So Gorman, I think twenty. Twenty-five. Twenty. I'd say oh, twenty. I'd, I'd, I'd go conservative twenty just because I don't know his playing, playing time. time. Yeah. And then Walker, I would go like ten. Seems fair. Ten. That is. Math, get off your ath. Let's do some math, 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 math. One hundred seventeen. Is that exactly so what we took it the ended under? Up? <laughs> <laughs> ah, very, we very do, slight under. But we didn't do Goldie and Arenado and all those. Well, yeah, yeah but he, he was just asking outfield oh. and uh, and DH, DH spots. Oh yeah. All right, all right, let's see if we can so, yeah, add we, another DH and then we'll hit the moral number. of the story. Paul right DeYoung. around. Paul DeYoung. Uh, zero. Don't give me I'll that. I'll take look. the over. I, I would. I would take two. the over on zero. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure he's gonna be a Cardinal come opening day. So oh, he'll be a Cardinal opening day. Did I'll you not read five. the article about his? The late kick's gone. Good man. Uh, all right, guys. If you had Good to die him. and come back down to earth <laughs> as one person in sports, I did that, and it's a small. Who world. would you come back as? You died. You're resurrected. You're coming back as somebody involved in sports in any capacity. Tom Brady. Did you just see him? Tweet a picture of him and his boxers. Talk about uncomfortable. That is a uh, no. It looks that is one way that you could definitely take this conversation. Looked, <laughs> yeah, you just wanted to talk about Tom Brady's boxers, didn't you? <laughs> and look comfy. Uh, uh, oh man, I don't know who I. Would. I think mine would probably be. Mine would be Travis Kelsey. Nobody's having more fun than him. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say nobody's more fun slash dominant as Travis Kelsey right now. I mean, mine might be him or Patrick Mahomes. One of those two. I think I'd come back as Michael Jordan. 
you kidding me? You're the greatest of all time in basketball. You got all that fame. I don't know that he seems happy. No, he seems miserable. Like, if I'm being totally honest, I, I don't know that he seems like he's living a very enjoyable life. Kind no, of see, playing I, I, armchair I, psychologist. I, I, I think he's having fun. No, Dennis Rodman's having fun. I don't know that fun. he is. Yeah, well, um, I think he's got financial issues. Don't we all? I think basketball would probably be the sport that I would want to play. I don't know that being LeBron seems all that fun either. No, he seems miserable. Someone also. said someone three one four said Chase Daniels. That's solid. Yeah, that's a smart one you to come really back. You really never with. have to play. You make millions of dollars. That's a pretty good one. Someone said they'll come back as Brandon Kylie. He's just getting promoted for nothing over and over I know, again. I was worried I was going to come back from Disney World and he was going to get promoted again. Ovechkin would be cool too. To come back and be the guy who's chasing Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be pretty pressure, awesome. Though. A lot of pressure, but that'd be pretty awesome. I'm assuming I'm coming back with his talents, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think being Giannis seems pretty cool. Giannis seems like a good dude. Uh, he seems like he's happy. He plays in Milwaukee. There's not a whole lot of pressure. Like, I think being Giannis seems Cristiano pretty Cristiano Ronaldo right seems pretty awesome. Uh, I would go more like the Messi route. For going Either that one. Direction. I'm getting Messi a ton of money. Cup, so I'd probably go you with know Messi. what? Actually, I've got mine. Ryan Reynolds. I would come back as Ryan Reynolds. Oh, we weren't doing actors. It said involved in sports. Well, he's not involved with sports yet. He's a sports he owner. Is. He oh, owns yeah, a for the soccer team. That's right. I think that I, I would like to be Ryan Reynolds. That sounds that, like a that, pretty that's good cheating. Life. That's <laughs> cheating. He's an actor. That's cheating. You know, I can get behind that one, though. Somebody said they'd like to be Jim Nance. If you could be any announcer, who would you want to be? Oh, Joe Buck. He's got a pretty good gig. He's got a studio where he broadcasts from his basement. Are he's, you kidding me? He's basically done everything, too. Yeah. Uh, man, who would I? Joe Buck's a good one. I think being SVP seems like a pretty good life. I mean, it's different. He's yeah, not like he's a, a play-by-play guy, but. Yeah. I, Nance would be good because Nance has done everything. I, I would love to be Mike Breen. I just He's an iconic broadcaster for basketball. I'd love to be Al Michaels. I can't deny oh, Al it. Al Michaels would be good. First of all, old man who's just never happy. Understandably, Mike Al the Michaels. Degenerate. <laughs> but also, you had the best line on a broadcast a ever. Like, nobody could ever top that. That's a good one. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're getting into NFL quick hitters, including the Arizona Cardinals have three candidates for their head coaching job. If you had asked me a month ago who will be their final three candidates, I don't think I would have named a single one of these individuals. So we'll talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes or so, whether or not these are the right candidates for them. But coming up next, Vince Gennaro is one of the MLB Network uh, panelists during their top 10 right now discussions. He had Wilson Contreras ranked as the ninth best catcher in Major League Baseball. What's he want to see from Kim Contreras to finish the season higher next year? We'll talk to Vince about that coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we got a little bit of an update on Derek Carr. We'll talk about that and what it means for the landscape in the AFC uh, quarterback carousel. We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, very happy to go out to the Brown in Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by Vince Gennaro. I saw him on MLB Network talking about the top 10 catchers right now in Major League Baseball. He had Wilson Contreras at number nine on his list. You may also know him. He's the author of Diamond Dollars, the economics of winning in baseball. Vince joins us now via the Brown in Crouppen Celebrity Line. Vince, we appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? 
I'm doing great. My pleasure to come on with you. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So let's start with what I saw you on the uh, the MLB Network panel, uh, the Sabermetrics panel for the top 10 catchers in Major League Baseball right now. You had our guy, our, our new man here in St. Louis, Wilson Contreras, at number nine on your list. What went into that uh, decision? Why'd you have him a little lower than some of the others on the panel? Well, you know, what it really comes down to would be his receiving behind the plate is what, in my mind, dinged him a little bit because offensively, I mean, he's really in the elite catchers in the game. He's right up there with what we saw out of Adley Rutschman last year, JT Real Muto, Will Smith, and so on. But, you know, he's, he's known to be not a very good framer of pitches, which, by the way, a year from now, two years from now, may not mean anything, right, if we have an automated ball strike system. But that was really the primary factor that drove him down to the number nine on my list. So with that being said, and of course that was kind of the narrative around Wilson Contreras, uh, Vince, in the offseason of if the Cardinals sign him, do, does the the offense that he provide outweigh the struggles he may have behind the plate this season? Well, yeah, I, I do think they, they do outweigh it. And, and uh, his, he's got a monster bat. I mean, he has as much power as any other catcher in the game and, uh, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is with the new pitch clock rules and the pickoff rules, he is great at throwing back picks to first base behind runners. That's something we may see a lot more of this year with the rule changes, which allow the pitcher only two pickoff attempts per batter. When you saw that that was the decision the Cardinals made, Vince, and they went to the free agency route as opposed to the trade path where you had guys like Sean Murphy that were available, and then there was at least some conversation earlier in the offseason about one of Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk being available. Of course, they decide to trade Moreno instead and keep their two veterans. Did you like the decision by the Cardinals to to keep their young talent and spend money for the catcher position? Or would you have liked to have seen them go out and get one of the other guys via trade? Well, you know, I, I think that the, there's a there's somewhat of a gap between Murphy and Contreras, meaning that I think Sean Murphy is a slightly better all around catcher, certainly better behind the plate. And with this, you know, with, with the pitching staff and the Cardinals have always been known solid starting pitching and relief pitching that, you know, you'd like to have a plus catcher behind the plate. And of course, nobody's going to match up to Yachty for a long time. But with that said, I don't think the gap is big enough where I think that they should have unloaded their, their prospect talent to get a Sean Murphy. I do like the idea of them bringing in Contreras. And I think offensively, they, they've got a guy who's a plus to Murphy. Vince, we've we've talked a lot about this Cardinals offense as a whole, especially because of Wilson Contreras, and then you add in the MVP of Paul Goldschmidt and runner-up with MVP of Nolan Arenado. Where are you at with this upcoming season on the Cardinals offense as a whole? Oh, I think the Cardinal offense is their strength. Uh, I think it's one of the better offenses in, in all of baseball. Um, you know, look, I had Goldie number one on my first base list in top ten. I had Arenado number two. I had Brendan Donovan number five at second base in my top 10. And I even had Dylan Carlson and uh, Lars Nupar, you know, towards the bottom of my top 10. So I had six Cardinal players in my top 10. And most of those are based on, you know, their offensive performance. So I think they'll score, they'll score runs big time. I, you know, I think the concern about the Cardinals this year, and it's not a huge one, 
would be the depth of starting pitching and whether Jack Flaherty can be what we saw of him in 2019 or, or, or even the beginning of 2021. Vince, I know we're going to talk a little pitching with you. I want to get to that here in just a second, but you brought up Brendan Donovan. I wanted to follow up on your ranking of him in the the top five among second basemen. He became a fan favorite quickly last year. Guy doesn't strike out, walks a ton, makes a lot of contact. But when you look at the batting average, he was at 281 last year. It feels like that may regress given the lack of hard hit for him. When you looked at his numbers last year and you think about, okay, how does that project for the 2023 season? How much regression are you expecting from Donovan going into this year? Well, one of the reasons, look, first of all, I certainly can appreciate a little bit of regression, but I don't expect a lot. And that's partly because so much of his value is in his ability to get on base through his strike zone awareness. I mean, he has Juan Soto-like strike zone awareness. And that's not, I don't use that, that term lightly. I mean, he, he, you know, he walks almost as much uh, as he strikes out, which is really rare in the game today. And he had the best on base percentage of any second baseman last year. So that, you know, and, and I, I sort of fall in love with that, the ability to get on base one way or the other. And even if his batting average slides a little bit, I don't think he'll, he'll give it, he'll give a lot back because of that. So, so Vince, going over to the pitching side, you mentioned Jack Flaherty, and I think that's everyone, at least in St. Louis's concern is, is he the actual ace? I felt like I was an on an island this offseason because I didn't feel like the Cardinals needed a starting pitcher because they had the depth in terms of guys that can fill voids for them. Are you are you optimistic about this Cardinals rotation or does it all really fall on Jack Flaherty's shoulders? Well, look, I think they've got a solid, uh, respectable rotation. I think guys like Miklos and, and Jordan Montgomery and Steven Matz are in that sort of third starter, uh, maybe fourth starter category. So so I, I don't think there's any guys who are in the starting rotation who you say, boy, you wish you, wish you had someone to replace that person. Where I think their light is at the top of the rotation where they – where, you know, do they have a true ace? What will Wayno do in his in this year at age 41 plus? Um, and then will Flaherty be back? So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would have been a little concerned. I would have thought that going out and trying to get a, you know, a, a frontline starter would have been the big move for them this year besides replacing their, you know, Yachty. Uh, but, you know, I can see them, you know, you can't always fill every need and I can see them trying to get by with what they have. Vince Gennaro is our guest here on 101 ESPN. He's the author of Diamond Dollars, The Economics of Winning in Baseball. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at his name. Vince, I did want to ask you about the Cardinals relative to the rest of the National League because the cost of business is going up in in this league right now. You've got the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Padres all trying to contend the Cardinals kind of at the back end of that group. How do you view them relative to the other top five teams in the NL right now? Well, uh, first of all, you know, within their division, I think they're the clear favorite. Um, one of the things that will, will hurt them a little bit this year is the fact that they are not going to be playing the Cubs and the, uh, the, the Reds and the Pirates. I, I think the Cubs will be okay, but the Reds and the Pirates as many times as they have in the past. So, so the fact that they're going to, to give, give back some games against those teams and spread them across the National League will probably impact their win total a little bit. I mean, I could see them coming in kind of right around 90 wins, plus or minus. 
Um, and if they do that, I mean, I don't think they're the Padres. I don't think they're the Mets. Um, you know, uh, the, the Phillies and the Braves are going to be tough. I think they're in a tier just below that. But, you know, that doesn't mean once they get to October, which they ought to, that they can't make noise. Vince, John Mozeliak has spoken about, and we have spoken about also, this could be the opening of a winning window for the Cardinals. Do you feel like that window is opened this season for them in terms of winning a World Series? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think the window is open, and I think when you've got guys like Jordan Walker waiting in the wings and, and the young talent that they have, you know, look, at the trade deadline, they might be able to add a frontline starter, and once they do that, if they can add a number one or a number two at the trade deadline, I, I'd match them up against anybody in baseball. The other thing that you got to give the, the Cardinals credit for is the culture that they built. You know, and, and I always say that analytics wins games and culture wins championships. And, and I really believe that that is their secret sauce, the Cardinals' way and the ability they get to play together as a team for a higher cause. And I, I don't, I don't, minimize that that's really important especially when you get to the postseason Vince final question that I've got for you and we appreciate the time is Vince Gennaro joining us here on 101 ESPN um, I, I did want to ask you if and I know this is a tough thing to do because we have no idea who's going to be available what the what the standings are going to look like at the time but in a hypothetical world where the Cardinals are in contention and we're getting closer to the trade deadline and they are looking for that front end starter because they want to give themselves the best chance possible to go for it in the postseason with that guy that can legitimately start a game one in a playoff series. Is there a guy or a group of names that maybe you'll keep tabs on throughout the start of the regular season? As you say, man, if he became available, he'd be a really good fit in St. Louis or for any team for that matter that needs a front end starter. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, so much of that depends on whether a team is in it or not and how much time sure. the player has on his contract. And, and I have, to, in honesty, I haven't really dived deep enough into that question yet at this time of the, of the year to be able to answer that with conviction. But, I mean, I think you want somebody who is battle-tested, who still has his stuff, is probably in his walk year, uh, you know, or maybe a Shohei Otani would be an interesting find uh, late in the season. I don't, I don't know that the, the Cardinals would want to give up that for a rental and who knows if he would want to play in St. Louis longer term, but really we're talking about a guy who's, who's in that category. He's Vince Gennaro. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Vince G E N N A R O Vince. We appreciate the time, man. This has been great to be able to catch up. Hopefully we'll do it again soon as we actually have some baseball to talk about. Hey, thanks so much. Anytime. You got thanks, it. It's Vince Gennaro joining us here on 101 ESPN. Appreciate his time greatly. I feel like the, the headline coming out of that interview was... Uh, no, no. Not trading for Juan Soto because they have Juan That's Soto? That's right. I mean, when you have Juan Soto already on your roster and Brendan Donovan... God bless that man. Why would you trade for somebody that's basically going to give you the same thing? You know, you don't need to do that. I what? love the idea of trading for Shohei Otani at the trade deadline. Do we need to spend time on this or no? Are you kidding me? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. You got your ace and your bat. And all you got to give up, prospects. Is Jordan Walker. No. No, no, no. He'll be a major leaguer at the time, and the Angels want minor leaguers. Of course. So, Mason Mason Wynn. Wynn, uh, I mean, the starting point for that conversation is Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, Gordon Graceffo, and probably Cooper Jerpy. That's the starting point to get in on the Juan Soto sweeps. Well, Jerpy me, Shohei Otani. I'm ready for him. Bring him to St. Louis. Would you entertain that if you're the Cardinals? No. 
No, because I'm not going to keep them. That's the thing. You're not going to like you could you could trade whatever you want for him and probably get him. You're not going to keep him. We all know that he's going to be a Met or a Dodger next year, right? He's going on the West or the East Coast. Although this is the gateway to the West or the East, could get him here. We got the Mississippi River. You think he likes Provel? You're kidding me. Like we can get him, a, we can get him a nice apartment next to the Mississippi River. What do you think would be a selling point for Shohei Otani? Like, hey, we've got really good toasted wraps. Well, Free zoo. <laughs> winning would be a selling point, I would imagine. I'm sure he's probably gone on the Budweiser tour, and if he hasn't, you know, you get you get free beers at the end. Does he like horses? Because we got Clydesdales. We do. Ted Green's Drew's Farm. Have you seen Ted Drew's famous I went to Grant's Farm for the first time this year during Christmas time? Just yeah. a beautiful place. I we should to, take him out there. I went on Halloween. Did you? We, what did we, I wonder what holiday is his favorite because that's where we could really yeah, I mean, sell Fourth it. Of oh, July. I hope he's a Mardi Gras fan. No, we, yeah. If he's a Mardi Gras or Christmas, we're in. I we mean, got the, you've got the arch as the backdrop. No, we don't need to show him the arch. It's fine. With, with the. <laughs> yeah, our number one selling. <laughs> with the no, fireworks. just see it. That's it. We I'm don't sure care. there's some C list star that'll be playing that night for, <laughs> for the. Uh, Damn. <laughs> the, <laughs> wow, that was a little uncalled for. Who are you thinking of when you All said right, that? We'll, we'll trade BK for a bag of balls. I went to uh, O'Fallon for the fireworks show. This was a few years ago in Illinois Smash, or Missouri. Missouri and Smash Mouth was the uh, was the Whoa! artist that was out there. Was like, oh, okay. Are you calling this Smash, Smash Mouth a C list band? I don't even know if they're C list at this point, dude. You are crazy. Name one song that was more popular in the nineties than "Hey Now You're an All Star." Wasn't that two thousands? Was it? 2000s? Was it the nineties? No, I think it was the nineties. What, what year do we think? Uh, it's got to be ninety nine. Tanner. Uh, man, what year do you think I, man, that you came Google, out? 1999! No way, really? It did. Nailed it. Was released it. in 99. I've heard that song, so it could have been the early 2000s. Its genres are pop, alternative rock, and power pop. It sounds right. What What songs do you consider power pop? All-Star. Hey, now you're an all-star? <laughs> the Who? The that Who is, is considered power pop. Tanner's a big fan of The Tanner, Who. Tanner, you seem you like a, to power a concert. Pop. I did go to a Who concert. <laughs> And that's how we get Shohei here. Oh, somebody, really good point on the text line from the 314. Smash Mouth performs. Lars Newpar is going to start the recruitment during the World Baseball Classic. They're going to be teammates. Isn't he Korean? No, he's on Team Japan. Oh, is he? Oh, I thought he was Team Korea. My mistake. No, both of them will. Well, I know your Cardinals. Well, I do know my Cardinals. I just don't know my Cardinals origin. Well, the World Baseball Classic is where we can learn more about Shohei. Who else is on Team Japan at the World Baseball Classic? Let's see who's got the best way. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was playing for Team Japan. And then it's, (laughs) oh, I don't know who's on Team Japan. Hold on. Let's find out. Let's find out. Are you Darvish pitching for him? I don't know if they've released their roster I think he is. I I think he might be. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of these teams well, rosters are Well, is going to be a Cardinal, too. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah, okay. That's where the recruitment starts from. Tommy uh-huh. Emmons team playing for Team Korea, by the way. That's what it was. That, that's See, I know my Cardinals. I just uh-huh. don't know which team is which. Um, uh, Seiya Suzuki going to be on their roster. Oh, so he's going to be a Cub. I could see that happen. Uh, uh, Shohei and Yu Darvish are the two headliners in there. Masataka rotation. Yoshida from the Boston oh, Red yeah. Sox can see that one happening. I think those are the okay. Major League Baseball players. Welcome to on. your competition, Cardinals fans. Lars, get ready to pepper that Shohei Otani and bring him to St. Louis. Can't wait. And I'll Sprinkle a little though. Provel cheese what, on him. What he did say about Brendan Donovan is super interesting. The fact that he has the plate approach, the similar plate, plate discipline to Juan Soto. I mean, that's that's what you want to hear about your, your starting second baseman. I mean, he showed it this season, his ability to create 
walk opportunities when he's down 0-2 in a strike count. Like, it was impressive with Brendan Donovan. My question still is, what's the second year look like? Because the narrative is going to be out on him now. And pitchers are going to address that and attack that. Can Brendan Donovan overcome that? Tanner and I talked about this a little bit last week. There was a piece on fan graphs about him on, like, how did he become this player? And is it sustainable? And the swing rate on first pitches was like 50%. I mean, he was among the lowest in all of major. He basically never swung on a first pitch. Yeah. And then when he got to 2-2, he walked like 40% of the time. Good. And so he's just, he's a guy that he's more than happy to take his walks. And I do wonder this year if guys are just going to say, okay, well, we've just got to throw him strikes. And if that is the the change in approach going up against Brendan Donovan, but I would have expected that to happen at some point last year. So uh, maybe he's just one of those rare players that, that can afford to play this way. Coming up. Someone just texted and said, so to so Taguchi can explain the experience of playing in St. Louis. That's our selling point. Can we get so to Gucci on our show? Find out how he can sell Shohei Otani. By the way, do want to mention this. We'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow. Tyler O'Neill was just on MLB Network uh, Radio. <laughs> he said, and I quote, just feels like I'm at a whole nother level this year. Well, MVP season coming. Might as well just give him the damn World Series trophy now. I mean, the last time he was on a, on a good level, he was third in the MVP voting. Now, he's on a whole other level. Well, we remember that season. He got injured. Had a couple of weeks off, and he came back, and he was better than ever. You remember the MV3? How about the MV6 this year for the Cardinals? That's what it's going to look like. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Doesn't even play into each other. Three sounds like P. MV6 doesn't sound like anything. (laughs) Don't overstate the all-star game's importance for Vladimir Tarasenko's trade value. We'll get into that. Alex will explain it, and P and your Cheerios coming up in about 15 (laughs) minutes. We'll get into some NFL quick hitters next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. So we do have a little bit of update with Tom Brady. He's on with Colin Cowherd. And there was a lot of speculation on when he's going to begin his media career. He's got that massive 10-year, what is it, $375 million contract that was supposed to kick in whenever he decides to retire. Well, he has done so. He tells Colin Cowherd that he's going to wait this year. It's going to be a gap year for him. He's going to start his broadcasting career with Fox in the fall of 2024. So 18 months from now, can't wait for the beginning of Tom Brady's media career. Poor Greg Olson. I do have a bit of a prediction on this. I think Brady's going to be better than everybody expects at the media thing. I think he's going to be really good. Like, I think he's going to be what people wanted Peyton to be as an analyst, where Peyton decided, nah, that's not really for me. I think Brady's going to bring a lot of that. I, I think he's going to be excellent at this. Alex, how do you feel about him as a potential analyst? I, I, I think he's kind of going to be a Tony Romo-esque where he, that first year is going to be, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. And then he's just going to start to wear thin on you. It's just going to get to the point where it's like, okay, like Tony Romo was this season for a lot of people. I think that's going to be Tom Brady moving forward. I I believe Peyton Manning went into the role that was perfectly suited for him. Agreed. He's the best at what he does right now. I'm not sure 
the color analyst on a NFL broadcast, is that role for Tom Brady like what Peyton Manning just found? See, I, I think he's going to fit in pretty well. I, I think he's going to be solid. I think it's going to get to the point you're going to see him and Olsen as a two or three man booth with Kevin Burkhardt as the lead crew on I Fox. hope they don't. I think they're probably going to go. They're going to try it. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't do it right away, but I think at some point they're going to give it a shot. I wonder if Olsen leaves and he says, you know what? Bleep this. I'm, yeah. go, I'm going to Amazon. I, like, I, I think that he could be a number one somewhere else, and I don't want them to have a three-man booth. Those never work. Honestly, when was the last time that we saw that actually go well for anybody? Honestly, Olsen should, who, I mean, Olsen should probably go, and this is no disrespect to Kirk Herbstreet, but Olsen oh, should dude, probably yes. go with Al Michaels. Yes. That duo well, would work Tanner great. mentioned, I, I think he's got the best idea. I think Olsen should go to NBC. Collinsworth should go to, to Thursday night with Amazon. And you just have Al and Chris on Thursdays. Like, who, who wouldn't want that? Everybody would sign up for probably it Probably Al and Chris, because they well, don't want to cover all yeah, those bad Thursday say, night football games. Al probably would prefer not to do that anymore. But Greg Olson being with Tariqo would be a really good Sunday night broadcast. Yeah. And you get a lot younger in the booth. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for everybody involved. It just, does Chris want to do that? Yeah. You know? But I, I, I do think that Brady's going to eventually be good. All right. I think Brady's coming back this season, boys. Do you, Tanner? No, I, I think he's done. All right. Oh, all right. Good. The, the common knowledge people yeah. figured out what's going to actually sure. happen. I, I agree. I, I don't think he's coming back. Okay. I'll take my victory lap like BK does when he does. Please do. I don't know what team it's going to be. Somebody will. Guys, the Arizona Cardinals are down to their top three candidates. Oh, for the Arizona Cardinals job. probably will. Their candidates are Brian Flores, okay. Mike Kafka, and Lou Anarumo who I didn't think had any opportunity as an NFL head coach this offseason, and I think he should. I think he's excellent. So that is Mike Kafka, the Giants offense coordinator, Brian Flores, former Dolphins coach, and Lou Anarumo, the defense coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. All three of these, honestly, are a bit surprising to me. I didn't know that any of them were going to be candidates for this specific job. Do you have one that stands out to you above the others, Alex? And do you think that this is a good list of candidates for that Arizona Cardinals job? I think it's the best you can work with in terms of candidates. If I had to choose one, it would be Mike Kafka because he's an offensive mindset. I don't know if you can go get a defensive coordinator as your head coach because the identity of this team is offense. At least that's what you're leaning into. You've got Kyler Murray. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, unless he gets traded again offense is the name of the game for your team. It's not defense. So if that's the case, I would go with an offensive coordinator and Mike Kafka. It's not the sexiest name because he was with the giants. And I think that success came from Brian Dable, but these other two, I mean, look, I I thought Brian Flores would have been a great hire last season. I can't imagine that working out with Kyler Murray. That's the tough part about it. And, uh, in a Mm -hmm. if I'm going big Lou, big Lou, he goes by good nickname, I guess. He's a large man. Is he? Yeah. I would assume with Big Lou, unless it's like Mafia, where the Big Lou's a little tiny dude. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to leave Cincinnati if I'm him for that job. I'll stay in Cincinnati where I got success rather than go to that dumpster fire. That, that's the thing for me is like if I'm Lou and Big Lou, I, I would not be. Big I, Lou. I wouldn't go for that job because you're going to get fired because you're probably not going to mesh well with Kyler Murray. Same with uh, Kafka. I, I don't think Kafka and Murray would get along at all. I don't think Flores and Murray would get along at all, but I think Flores would have respect from ownership to make sure that Kyler kind of gets 
put in his place of, hey, you're the quarterback and you're going to have to listen to the coach. And and that's what it sounds like they want. It sounds like they want someone that's going to have yeah. experience and isn't going to let Kyler kind of run the show like Kingsbury did. I, I would hire Flores. I, I think Flores is a great head coach. Had Sean McVay stepped down, I told you guys in the office a lot, he was going to be my number one target for the Rams. And then they had interest in Frank Wright as well if he stepped down. But I, I like Flores. That's who I would hire. I So I'm going to speak selfishly and, and also openly. I I think Lou Anarumo should get this job. Big Lou. And the reason why is twofold. One, as a Chiefs fan, I would very much like yeah. him to no longer be the defensive coordinator on the Cincinnati Bengals. So a little bit of this is selfish. I'm not going to lie to you. But secondarily, I think he's earned it. He, over the last two seasons, when I watched the Bengals against an opposing offense, I watched to see what they're going to do because they do stuff that no other teams are willing. And then it sets the blueprint for other teams. Other teams suddenly will steal from what the Bengals decided to do against that offense. So, like, when you see the Bengals against the Chiefs offense last year, they start rushing three, looping a defender around, and that becomes the pass rush plan. All of the other teams that the Chiefs go up against, they suddenly steal that mold. So, I, I think he's super creative. He's found an ability to get the most out of players. I mean, this year, you look at the defense for the Bengals. It wasn't as if they were overly talented, but they tackle very well. They are fundamentally sound at every level, and he extracts the most out of the players that he has personnel-wise. I think he would do a good job there. I do have a question of who would he, he would bring in as an offensive coordinator. That is a hire he could not get wrong, because if you do, you're getting fired. But I would hire Lou, Lou because I don't, I don't know how Flores would get along with Kyler, and Kyler's your franchise. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that guy is who you're building around right now. And I'm just not sure Mike Kafka's ready for that kind of a jump yet. If, he if, was the quarterback coach for the Chiefs a year ago, and now he's the OC on a team that he's not even necessarily like, I know he's technically the play caller, but you would not. have to imagine Brian Dable is having a large influence on the game plans. Yeah, he's the equivalent of play calling as the offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick in New England. Like, he's doing all of that. So the next thing as we continue with the coaching cycle right now, guys, I think I'm all in on the Panthers for 2023. I think that's my team. You know, the Lions oh, last boy. year where everybody's pick of, hey, they finished the season as a pretty exciting, entertaining team that maybe if things go right, they could make the playoffs in 2023 or 22. I think that's my team next year. That could be next year's Lions is the Panthers. And one of the reasons why is because I think they got this coaching staff right. Frank Reich is going to be their head coach. Like Frank Reich, think things went wrong for him because of the quarterback situation more than what he did wrong in Indianapolis. Oh, good. Let's go to Carolina then where the quarterback situation is great. That's a big question mark for me. Not going to lie to you, but they just made a defense coordinator hire. The Broncos old DC, Evero. He's going to be the new DC in Carolina. He's awesome at his job. He's a really good uh, coordinator and was... Honestly, a qualified candidate for a lot of these head coaching positions if somebody decided to hire him. Do you guys have a team like that that stands out to you before we hit free agency or the draft that you watched at the end of the year and you're like, man, if they if they make the right moves, whether it's coach or quarterback, whatever it may be, I think that's the team that next year could take that next step into contention. Mine's the Panthers. I'm right there with you. That's what I'm talking about, buddy. No, I don't want to knock you on that. Come on, man. Back off. Uh, the Panthers were my team that I thought was going to be really good this season. And, of course, they stumbled a little bit. They found a way to get rid of their head coach. That didn't work out. And they played decent the rest of the way. I'm not as high as you on the Frank Reich hire, but I still think he's a great head coach. Their quarterback is a part for me that if they get that right, I think this team will be as con as much of a contender as Jacksonville was this year and as Detroit was this year. And I got a tinfoil that Carolina is going to be to be the team that trades with Chicago to get that first overall pick. 
Oh, interesting. They're going to get their quarterback. And I don't know if it's going to be. What if they didn't do that? Let's say instead of trading up for their quarterback, they sign either Jimmy or Derek Carr. How do you feel about Jimmy? Him? No, Derek Carr. Yes, but I'm not trading assets for him. I'm going to wait till he gets cut. Sure. And then I'd sign him for cheap. I just I, I have something in my gut tells me Carolina is going to be aggressive to try and get CJ Stroud. It just seems to make sense in terms of how Carolina wants to run. They had success with similar quarterbacks like that. That just seems to be the way they're going to go. But Carolina's my team with you. So uh, non-nuck, BK. Yeah, I'm not jumping on the Carolina hype train. I, I think the Jets are the team for me going to the AFC. I think they've got the roster in place. They're the kind of what you guys are saying about Carolina, where I think they've got the roster in place. They've got the right head coach. The only issue is they've got a quarterback question mark, and what are they going to do? They're connected to Aaron Rodgers. I think he makes them a great team right off the bat. If they go get Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, game managers, I think they would be even better. So the Jets are the team for me. I, I, I think they're just that quarterback away from taking that next step and really competing in the AFC. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. By the way, quick update on the Derek Carr sweepstakes as well. Uh, earlier today on his show, Pat McAfee said he has heard there is a, quote, 75% chance, end quote, that Derek Carr ends up released by the Raiders. There is a date coming up. It's February 15th, nine days from now, that if he is on the roster, he gets a $40 million guarantee for next year that kicks in. So they have to decide basically right now over the next eight days whether or not they're going to trade or cut him. If they can't find a trade partner by then, he will end up getting cut, and then he can sign wherever he wants to. Um, if if he does get cut, he becomes a candidate for a lot of these teams that need a quarterback desperately. Carolina would certainly be one of those. I think the Jets would make a lot of sense, too, if they find out that they're not in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes for Derek Carr. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're diving into the junk drawer, but next... Let's not overstate what the all-star game's importance was for Vladimir Tarasenko when it comes to his trade value. And are the Blues going to follow the leader when it comes to these extensions that have been signed over the weekend? We'll talk about it all next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kyle. I'm going to read from a story over on NHL.com now, Alex. You're going to read? Vladimir Tarasenko regained his elite offensive uh, form in the 2023 Honda NHL All-Star wow. Game in Florida. Did Dom a reminder that? for the rest of the league that a high-caliber goal scorer oh. could be available before the 2023 <laughs> NHL trade deadline. Good I think God. Army wrote that. Good God, man. Vladimir Tarasenko had a goal and three assists for the Central Division in the All-Star Semifinal, a game that they won 6-4 to four against the Pacific Division, of course, then the Central lost to the Atlantic Division 7-5 to five in the final. Not important. The importance is that they won, and he had four points. Alex, I know that there are some who say, hey, you better hurry up and trade him before people see <laughs> what he does right in now. the regular season. I, it was cool. You enjoy seeing him perform well in the All-Star game. I, I think this has no bearing whatsoever on Vladimir Tarasenko's trade value no. as we enter into the trade sweepstakes over the next you know month or so. Has anybody watched the All-Star game I try for the not NHL? to, honestly. I'm anti-All-Star game. Uh, yeah, I know that, man. Me too, buddy. Uh they don't they, they they don't bring their defense to play in the all-star game for the NHL weekend. 
Uh, this is just more so of showcasing offense. And frankly, the goaltenders are even out there to have a little bit of fun rather than going out there and trying to stop everything. So let's not be so quick to judge Vladimir Tarasenko in his four points, which, by the way, he only scored one goal and had three assists in that right. game. Four um, points. But I just love the article that talked about showed his high scoring ability once again with that one goal. He scored. Like, pump the brakes. Because what Vladdy did in that All-Star weekend was basically the equivalent of him being on another team playing against the Blues. Team that's not not playing good defense out there. You're going to find ways to score. So that did... You know know how many scouts go to the All-Star game to watch? Pretty sure there's about zero that go to that. That's called their break also. So Vladimir Tarasenko, an awesome All-Star week. Congratulations to him. It was great. And it's nice to see those four points. But his trade value absolutely went nowhere. Because his trade value will be equated off of what he does for the next nine games when they return going into that trade deadline. Um, But if people want to believe that that's how you rise your stock by scoring in an all-star game, go for it. Uh, Somebody on the text line said, guys, there was an all-star game this weekend. I tried not to watch. Tanner, stop texting into the show, man. We're listening. Did you watch any of the all-star festivities over the weekend for for the NHL? No. Unfortunately, I did not. No, no. I saw the videos. Like, I saw Vladdy do the accuracy. I always see those videos, but I, I don't watch I, it from start to finish. I woke up this morning and read what he did in the All-Star weekend. I had no idea he had a goal and three assists in the first game. So, the All-Star game is what it is. There's there's no way to fix it. It It is what it is. The other stuff, the skills competition, those sorts of things, they can be fun. And I thought they, they tried. Skills in, competitions are always fun. In, in some regards. Like, they did the... They had the guys out on the beach and there were surfboards that they were trying to hit. And then they would like uh, end up with Matthew Kachuk or Sidney Crosby, one of the other players in the dunk tank. It was fun. Like that one was an enjoyable experience. But man, in large part, if the players aren't having fun, and this is what I learned in the NFL side of things as well. As long as the guys are having fun and it looks like they're enjoying it, you could convince yourself that it's a good time. Right. Like my wife enjoyed watching the NFL skill competitions over the weekend because the players seemed like they were having fun on the NHL side of things. They didn't seem like they were having a good time. My wife looked over me at one point and said, are any of them smiling? <laughs> like, what, what is going on here? Why does it seem like they're all miserable to be in South Florida? That's the thing that they've got to figure out on the NHL side to, of things. They're having to play a hockey game in South Florida. At, at some point, they got to find a way to make it fun for the players. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know what you can do to, to make it a more enjoyable experience for them. But that's what's missing. The, the guys have to enjoy it. And until they get there, they're not going to be able to have Joey and I, something that's worth Joey and I have talked about this in the past on, on broadcasts to where their biggest issue in the past has been going to cities that nobody wants to go to. Like No disrespect, but when they host an all-star game in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. nobody's going to go to that. Their last one that they did in Vegas, exciting, because that's where you want to go. Florida, everybody wants to go there. But the problem is you're also sending them there for a weekend where they have so many duties that they have to do that it's not enjoyable. you got to do interviews, you got to do media, you got to do photos, and you're on the ice, and then the game. It's, not a, it's good because you get some time with the family, but look. Teams are playing games right now. Like There was no break for a majority of these teams because they ended their first unofficial half of the season the all-stars go to florida then they return back home and then they start their practices before they play a game that's the unenjoyable part and that's 
that's kind of why it's always been so difficult for me to to get into all-star games or the weekends. The skills competitions are always fun. I love watching those. The I hardest shot. it was fun this week, though. That's the thing that's tough is, like, the way that it was formatted, A, the players, again, did not seem like they were having a good time with it. They didn't seem like they were super into it. Yeah. And B, like... It was, I don't know if it was because ESPN took over this year and maybe that was part of it with the production side of things. It it did not seem like it was put on as well as it has been in the past. Because I agree with you. In general, I think the skills competition is the fun part of it. Um, this year, I, 314-399-9646. Am I alone on this? I did not feel like it was very fun for the most part this time around. And normally I I can convince myself on anything. Like there was no sports really other than local college basketball on this weekend. I watched a decent amount of the NHL skills competition. I thought it was fun. Nothing more, nothing less. It was just, it was a good time. The NHL side of things I didn't feel that way about. So uh, I I thought they missed the mark this year and I'm not sure totally why that was, but it didn't, it didn't feel like it was uh, as much fun. All right. Final thing here, Alex, we'll get out of here on this and we'll get into the junk drawer coming up on the other side. There have been some extensions that have been signed in the NHL over the course of the last week. Bo Horvat, while you were gone, eight years, eight and a half million dollars is his new extension with New York. Lou Lamarillo just throwing the money around. Dylan Strom signed a five-year deal worth $5 million per year. Sonny Milano signed a three-year deal worth about $7.5 million, uh, or $5.5 million, about $6 million total, uh, $1.9 million AAV. Do you think that the Blues are going to follow suit? Are are they going to get anything done this week? Because if you they're going to sign anybody i would assume this is probably the week that it gets done the only guy that i could see them signing is nolachari and i'm not even sure if that gets done because although i've pushed back on this when tanner's brought it up if they are going into full sell mode doug armstrong might look at this and say let's see what we can get for him because nolachari performs well the rest of this stretch you get a third round pick for him if you're going to get a second round pick for Barbashev and you get two first round picks for Vladdy and O'Reilly and you get a third round pick for an Achari that's a hell of a steal at an off or at a trade deadline going into this upcoming offseason to turn your team around he would be the only one but I don't know if Doug is going to view it as let's do this because as I mentioned earlier this is a full evaluation mode and Doug's going to be figuring out who makes sense for this team going into next season because we are now going into a let's let's reverse this and put our team back in the competition next season. So if there's one, it's Noel Achari, and I'm not even sure that gets done. On the Achari one, do you think they're they're kind of different players, but and they're different ages. Do you think the Sonny Milano price of being basically two million dollars per year is, is that around the money that you would expect it to be for a charge i think it'd be a little less 1.5 is probably the sweet spot for him a team might throw two million dollars at him in free agency but if you're the blues you're probably saying we'll give you a little bit yeah we'll give you a little bit of a bump than what you're making now 1.25 but we're going to give you two year i don't see doug giving him a three-year contract extension it would be a two-year extension and you get 1.5 per year one of the other guys that signed an extension over the weekend was dylan strome uh he's 25 years old with the washington capitals previously of course with the chicago blackhawks we've seen a decent amount of him in the central division if you look at his numbers compared to ivan barbashev's they're pretty damn similar man there's a lot of similarities between the two that was an overpay in my opinion by washington strome got a five-year deal worth five million dollars per now barbie is a couple of years older so there is that to take into account do you think that's the going rate for ivan barbashev right now is right around that five million dollar mark yeah four and a half five i could see four and a half five seems like a little bit of an overkill um, but Washington is desperate for 
offense, and Dylan Strom has provided some of that, especially with all the injuries they've dealt with this season. Uh, but yeah, I can see. I don't know if a five-year deal because of the age of an Ivan Barbashev. Maybe it's three or four. Three or five. four and give him four and a half million dollars. But yeah, that's why it seems the Blues are going to trade away Ivan Barbashev because that's going to be too expensive for them to pay to be a third-line winger for him. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Tanner has a question about Jack Flaherty, and he relates it back to the St. Louis Blues, a mistake they make, or the Cardinals potentially going to make the same one with Jack Flaherty. We'll do that coming up at 1 o'clock. The Junk Drawer coming up next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Alex Ferrario, he's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. T-Bone, we need an update on Uncle Joe. What's Uncle, Uncle Joe up to these days? Uh, Uncle Joe is thinks this, he found a life hack. Is this the psychopath that likes to fast forward through uh, yeah, movies? That's him. Yeah, anyway, good. Way to uh, go, Uncle Joe. I I don't think we need to call him a psychopath. No, he did, you fast forward you know, through I, movies to find the spot to watch. You know, yeah, it's you're funny a you psychopath. say that what I talked to him this weekend. He didn't appreciate being called a psychopath. Uh, sorry, sense. Uncle Joe, but you got to um, watch the film. So he thinks he found this life hack. What Have you guys ever ordered to go from a restaurant? And then you realize, you know what? I'm pretty far from home. I'm not going to end up. I don't want to take it home because then my food's going to be to- cold by the time I get there. You ever what? had that moment? I typically know beforehand where I'm going and where I live. Yeah, you know, so I can kind of make that determination. You would think. with ordering food. It's, <laughs> yeah. oh, shoot, this one was 45 miles from my house. So he did that over the weekend because my other uncle's in town. Wrong location. Like, I show uh, yeah, up and they're like, thing. hey, we don't have an order from you. I look back at it and I ordered from the one that's 15 minutes away on accident. I've done that before, but so never this. How do you do Uncle that? Joe and my other uncle are in town. And they order pizza from this place and they go there and they realize, wait, we're actually a lot further from the place than we thought. What are we going to do? Are we just going to sit in our cars and eat it? So what they did was they ordered to go. They got to the restaurant and instead they just had the boxes of pizza and just ate it in the restaurant. They had their to go order and had it in the restaurant. No plates, no nothing, no service. They ate in the restaurant. They think that's the way to go about it for now on. I think you're screwing Where over one of the waiter eat? or waitress. Did it was, they a, it was go? a pizza place. Yeah, so but, they ate. They went to the restaurant and said, so, hey, we changed our mind. Is it okay if we eat it here? But was it a restaurant or was it like it was like it was like you pick up your food? It was a typical kind of walking, but like it had a waiter and waitress style. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no. Do you know what the restaurant was? We can just say it on the air. Yeah, no, I won't say it on the air. It was a pizza place, but, so, but it was basically it a... you walk in, you can sit down, and they'll they'll kind of have so they someone have that comes out. Staff. With... Yes. Okay, well that's BS yeah, then, you because you're taking that. up a table from somebody. Can't do that. Well, they they did it. Okay. Did they leave like a tip? Yeah, or they anything? left. A, they left a good tip. So somebody came and, and, and just waited to give you an them. idea because they felt bad about doing it. Is it they took the empty boxes with them? They ate all the pizza. They took the empty boxes instead of yeah. having them clean up. Well, yeah, go back. you have to do they that. They think that's the life hack, though. They think it's that's what they do hack. now. You order it to go. That's... You show up. You, you're basically dining in, but your food's already done by the time you get there. Why wouldn't you just dine in? So somebody on the text you don't line wait said, for the food. you can order ahead when you dine in and say, hey, I'm going to dine in. Can I quick get this order going? Somebody on the text line said, "We guys, we do this at Chipotle all the time. I think that's a little different because Chipotle is basically like a... You go up to the counter. Yeah, they put order, it there in a bag. Whether you're eating this, it, this had the counter where you typically go and pick it up, but they had a seating area where they'll come out and they'll take your order like a normal restaurant. So it's kind of like a Pizza Hut chain where you could go and order the pizza, but they also yeah, had the restaurant of. where you go and sit down. 
Yeah, I mean, but see, you're still close. If, if there is a place, if there's an area where you are being attended to, like at Chipotle, there is no area where you have servers. You just you go get your food and then you go sit down and you take care of yourself from there. So whether you're ordering ahead and taking it, quote unquote, to go and deciding to eat it there or if you actually order at the place and then have your normal setup. It's basically the same process either way. So it's not a big deal if you decide to eat it there. Yeah. If you're at a restaurant where you would be, that's, you would go to the host stand. That's say, trash. Can I get a table for four? Like you go to Chili's and you pick up your food at the hostess and then you go sit yeah. at the table and eat it. I think that's, that's trash. That's a no-go. <laughs> yeah. That's a no-go. Unless. But, I, but like, you left a tip. So I guess that's all that does change things there. And if you're a server, I, now I'm putting my server cap on. I don't have to do anything for this damn table. Yeah. They're good. Well, They're, I mean, you're going to have to fill up their and, drinks, probably. That's it. And it wasn't busy when they went. It was late. It was later at night. He told me there wasn't a lot. It wasn't like they were like taking up a seat for a family that wanted to come in there. It was just a small seating yeah. area it's where like, they would fine. come dine on you. I don't I, think well, it's a life hack, though. I, well, you know, they, me, they seem to think that this is a me, new way to go about to things. To me, this sounds I'm a miserable. On that. I went out of my house to pick up food so I could go home and eat my food in the comfort of my own home, and now I have to eat there. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of factors here. If if it's slow, if there's nobody else there, all right, that's one factor that you got to take into account. I, I just think if it ever happened again, like if I were with them, I would just eat it in the car. Yeah, that's the that's other thing. That's exactly like, what I would totally do. I think the, the the original sin is not realizing how far away the restaurant was that they were ordering to go from. You, this is something where like we've all got smartphones now, right? You can look up on your phone. All right, where am I right now? Uncle How Joe fast forwards through films so he decides <laughs> if he has to watch it or not. You think Uncle Joe's going to pay attention to that? That's a fair point. You can look up where you're going and where you need to get back. And is that too far? So that our by the way, pizza going cold not a big deal. That was that's and, the other thing. Yeah. Oh, but you don't. When you order something to go, you don't want to have it cold yeah, though. French fries are a it's burger. Pizza. pizza you eat yeah, cold. Yeah, but I want the pizza fresh when I first get it, you know? And your pizza's never fresh, And man. nobody Let's bites into a pizza when it comes out of the oven because you're going to burn your face. You let it cool off a little bit. I, w- I think theory. I personally think Uncle Joe just had no movie to fast forward through and he said, if let's just go like eat steak there. steak and you can't reheat it, that's a very different conversation for me. Would you eat steak in the car if it was too far of a drive? <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I can't hey, picture BK sitting in his drive. What are you doing in there, with sir? The oh, I'm just cutting my steak. <laughs> I can fine. picture somebody with a steak on a fork and just biting into Going it. Going to Texas Roadhouse, you didn't realize it was 30 minutes away and you've got this beautiful steak that's been cooked up for you. You don't want to microwave uh, it when you get home or continue cooking it. Yeah. Uncle Joe with that. his life hack. A pizza you could throw into the microwave whenever you get there. Oh, That's man. easy. By the time you get home with your pizza, if you keep the box closed, it's going to be the perfect temperature for you to eat. And even if it's not, people eat cold pizza. Oh, that's just wrong. I eat cold I, pizza in the mornings all the time. Yeah, like I I think that the, your Uncle Joe's in the wrong here. Well, your, uncle, your Uncle Joe. This up. is 0 for 2 with Uncle Joe. <laughs> Tell Uncle me Joe's having his game up. Of it. <laughs> Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're playing a game of in or out. 314-399-9646. We're all out on yeah. eating to go Come on, pizza Uncle Jay. in the restaurant. We'll get our other scenarios coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But Tanner has a scenario for you guys. Would the Cardinals be making the same mistake with Jack that the Blues made with one of their players at the end of the season? It's possible. Tanner will explain it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. His last healthy season 
in 2019. He made 33 starts, threw 196 innings, put up a 275 ERA, and was fourth in the Cy Young with 231 strikeouts. I think he might be the guy because he gives them a top-of-the-rotation guy for the playoffs. Like, I think they're going to win the division, but I don't love the rotation for the playoffs. It, it's a good rotation with Michaelis and Wainwright and, and the rest of those guys. But you give me, you know, Jack Flaherty healthy and starting game one for me with those guys, I think that's that's maybe a bigger impact than, than all the other guys out there. That was MLB Network Radio talking about Jack Flaherty being among the biggest X factors, not just with the Cardinals, but in all of Major League Baseball in the upcoming season. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylo. We'll get to in or out coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. But T-Bone had an interesting hypothetical over the weekend that he sent to us where he said, hey, I think that the Blues, when you look back on their issues, most of them start, the original sin, as we've discussed, was letting Alex Petrangelo walk out the door. And you've been trying to replace him ever since. A homegrown, legitimate number one defenseman is hard to find. The Blues had one, and they let him walk over money and a no-move clause. Timon, you said the Cardinals might be doing the same thing if Jack Flaherty lives up to expectations this year and ends up walking out the door as well. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think when you look at aces and number one defensemen, I, I think they're very similar to where there's only a handful of them in both sports. There's maybe, what, 15 aces in all of baseball, true, legitimate number one guys that any time I give them the ball and we go into the playoffs, I know I'm getting six to seven innings where they're just shoving with around six to ten strikeouts, and they're not going to allow a lot of runs. The same argument can be made in hockey, in my opinion, where there's not a lot of number one defensemen. The Blues ended up having Petro walk away, and ever since then, they've been chasing their tail trying to replace what Alex Petrangelo brought to the table. If Jack Flaherty is healthy this year, and that is a big if, and if he looks like the guy that you saw in 2019 where he's got that ace stuff, and I still think he has that capability, I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that the Cardinals can't let Jack Flaherty get away. To where if you have an ace internally, you should be doing everything in your power trying to bring back that guy. And that's coming from a guy that never wants to hand out extensions to anybody. I I think if Jack Flaherty is healthy, proves he's a number one guy for you, and is going to be an ace for the St. Louis Cardinals, they can't let him get away because it's tough to replace those guys. And I, I don't think they would go to the market and try and sign somebody in free agency. We've seen their hesitancy in handing out big deals, and it's tough to draft and develop those guys. I mean, we talked to Kyle Reese last week, and he said, you know, I'm not sure if Tinkins, Gordon Graceffo, and Connor Drippy are true number one aces. They're top-end rotation guys, but will they ever be legitimate aces? So I think if they're, if Jack Flaherty is healthy this season, looks like the guy that we know and remember from 2019, I think there's a big argument to be had that the St. Louis Cardinals shouldn't let him walk and bring him back on a contract extension. It's one season, and my question is, is he even an ace? If he has an incredible season, you're going off of one season. We're going off of one season of Tyler O'Neill and still asking the question, is he this MVP candidate? As much as I agree, you can't let an ace walk out the door like an Alex Petrangelo, and it was very evident that Alex Petrangelo was a number one defenseman. I can't say the same thing about Jack Flaherty because I haven't seen it. And for how much he's been broken over these last few years, do I want to give a, an extension to what, let's say he has a incredible season where he looks like an ace, do I want to give out the amount of money and years that it's going to require to keep him if I have the backstory of everything that we've had with Jack Flaherty it's a sticky situation to be in if you're the Cardinals because you don't want to lose an ace. But even if he has an incredible year, I'm still going to be asking the question, is he this guy or was this just a one-off? Somebody on the text line, I think makes an interesting argument. It said uh, it's actually a comp to Pareko 
you continue hoping that he becomes a number one over uh, a number one defenseman. He hasn't proven that yet, and then you decide to pay him as if he becomes one. That's the comparison for Jack Flaherty. I, I think the comp. I think there are there's some truth there. Um, but what I would say is like the last time that we saw Jack Flaherty healthy, we saw it in 2019. We all know what that ended up looking like. And then I think that people underestimate how good Jack Flaherty was in 2021 before he got hurt. Agreed. I think that's the one where I just disagree with a large portion of the um, the evaluation of who he was in 2021. He was he was spectacular for the vast majority of that season, and then he got hurt, and his season came to an end. I, I can't knock him for getting hurt as a pitcher because that's what happens to these pitchers. Now, if you don't want to resign him because you're worried about Jack Flaherty being able to hold up over time, I get that. That's how I feel about a lot of these starters that are going to be available on the market. But I I think there's at least a case to be made that if he ends up being excellent once again in 2023, he will have been excellent each of the last three full seasons in which he was healthy. That's the kind of track record that you're looking for from these guys. I mean, we all wanted Carlos Rodon this offseason – He's done it twice, two times in a row. And we're like, all right, six years, a hundred and whatever, $50 million. Let's do it. I'm signing up. This would be three out of the last three years yeah. in which he was healthy for at least half the season. But at what point are you excellent? As if he's an ace. But, what, but at what point of those seasons are you excellent? Because I need you in the postseason. And if you're not doing it in the postseason for me, am I really going to pay you this amount of money to be my ace? If you're only going to do it in the middle of the season? I mean, in 2019, he's pretty darn good in the playoffs absolutely but 2021 he was good in the first chunk of the season and you didn't have him at the end because he was hurt well that's what i'm saying if if i don't have a guy who's my ace in the playoffs because that's what everyone's talking about who's the guy that people say oh blank i gotta face this guy in the best of a three or best of five i sure. think I, I think if he is if he shows he's got his stuff still and i think he does I, I i'm not gonna gamble on the fact of you know he's only pitching the postseason once i i know he's the guy it's just a matter of will he get to the postseason point and hell's just a big gamble on pitchers i'm willing to take that gamble it's harder to find a guy with the stuff of what jack flaherty has than it is to find a guy that's healthy to get to the postseason and i i think you can date back jack flaherty to 2018 he wasn't throwing 196 in the third inning the guy finished fifth in rookie of the year i mean he he is a legitimate ace when he is healthy the biggest question is, is what's he going to look like now coming off all these injuries? If he shows to me he's healthy again and he's got what we think he has and his stuff looks great, I, I would sign him I would sign him in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. I, I would lock him up before he entered free agency because then he's going to get to sniff the waters. Somebody's going to overpay him. I, I would be jumping the gun on it if he's we healthy. We likes Carlos Rodon this offseason, right? Yeah. Not for the amount of years that he signed for, but, but you as were a player. Yeah. potentially signing him. Do you know what he's done in the playoffs, what his playoff history looks like? Can't his, say I do. His first opportunity was in 2020. You know what his ERA was in that appearance? Infinity. Didn't say, record now. <laughs> soon he got roughed up. <laughs> he uh, he gave up a hit, two walks, two earned runs, an ERA of infinity because he never got it actually recorded and out. And then in 2021, he pitched one game in the ALDS, went two and two thirds innings, gave up two earned runs. He has basically zero track record in the postseason. And I wanted Carlos Rodon because when you look at what he does in the regular season, his stuff was so good over the last two years, I didn't care about any of that. It's it's overwhelming when that guy is healthy and available. And I think that's where I'm at with Jack Flaherty. I, I kind of fall somewhere in between both of you guys where it's like if you could get a reasonable contract for Jack, if it looks something similar to what Carlos Rodon's deal was this past offseason, I would probably do that because I would be – 
hesitant to say to myself, all right, I'm going to go to the market and find somebody else that's going to be able to replicate what you got from Jack Flaherty. I think that's where you fall in. That's where I do think that the Petro comp is fair. If they don't re-sign Jack after this year, if he's great, then you're having to go to the market to find another player to replace him. And that's where you could potentially fall into the pitfalls that the Blues have with, okay, we're trying to chase what Petro was by going out and getting Tory Krug and going out and patching things up later on to get a guy like a Nick Letty. And then all you have is two like bottom four pairing defensemen and you still have not replaced what Petro was. Yeah, and I don't want this to be misconstrued. I'm not sitting here saying I wouldn't sign him if he has a great season because I would. I would just be very hesitant because he's not signing for Carlos Rodon numbers if he has a great year because he's also 27 years old. I don't know. I think it'll be pretty similar. Yeah, I, I, don't I think, think he gets more. He might get a little bit more, but I. it's back to the same point on Carlos Rodon where it's more of you know not so much looking at his career as a whole where you've seen the flash. It's more, okay, you did it just in this one season, yeah, but, your, your contract year, you have dealt with injuries in the past. But Radon's 30, 31, 32, 30. He was 29 last year, so it'll be 30, so age 30 season. So I he's mean, two years older. I feel like that's a difference for teams when it comes to pitchers, especially if you can get him off of a season where he pitches like an ace. He's going to get good money. I mean, we know how Jack Flaherty works. He's going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think he's going to break the bank. I, I think he's getting close to what the Rodon deal is. And I if he's healthy, I'd do it. I think it's going to be somewhere. I mean, there's just not a wide range at that top of the market. Like you've got, so the starting pitchers that make the most in terms of average annual value, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander both make $43 million per year. He's not getting that. He doesn't have the track record of Verlander or Scherzer. DeGrom is at $37 million. Again, not getting that. Garrett Cole, $36 million, not getting that. And then you get into like David Price at 31. Shohei Otani is on a one-year $30 million deal, final year of arbitration for him. I think he's in that Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon range, which is 27 to $29 million on a per-year basis. That feels about right to me, given what Jack Flaherty has been and given what his history is. I think he winds up somewhere in that five- to six-year range at about 25 to $30 million, somewhere there, depending on how excellent he is in 2023. And he'd have to be damn good to get up near the top of that. Like, we're talking Cy Young of the National League type of good. Otherwise, I think he's probably in the $25 million, right between Carlos Rodon and Marcus Stroman. Something in that range, probably, because of his injury history. I do think that teams will definitely take that into account. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, who are the superstars in sports that you simply want no part of on your favorite team? One of them was traded over the weekend. We'll talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes. In or out, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with PK and Ferrario. I missed that. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Did you do always in yeah. or out? Sounds he tried. He made a sound one of the days that... Sound like a dying giraffe? Can ah. best be described as wailing. Ah, ah, ah. Pretty much what it sounded like. Come More on, or less. T-Bone. Come on, T-Bone. And then Pretty the next good? day sounded like he had smoked six cigars the day before. What do you be? What will it be, sweetheart? <laughs> in, fifth, in about 10 minutes... Who are the superstars in sports that you just want nowhere near your team? BK. Fair. 
I don't know that I would consider uh, well, myself yeah. a superstar, superstar but like, fair. Oh, well, he considers big. himself a superstar. Already got a big head, let's not make it bigger, okay? There was one that was dealt over the weekend that I would want no part of. We'll get into that coming up here in just a bit. But it's time for in or out. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Alex, I think this one is uh, directed towards you. Oh, good God. In Let's or out, Disney World is indeed the happiest place on Earth. Uh, out. <laughs> Seeing the amount of people there that were yelling at their children and dragging their crying kids across the park. Uh, doesn't seem to have a lot of happiness going on in there. Interesting. There's a lot of people, too, that I was talking to Katie about this, and she's absolutely right, because my wife worked at Disney World for six months in the uh, program that they have there. And she said the amount of money that you have to pay to go to Disney World, and this is on Disney because they've raised the prices. Everybody in that park feels like they have more privilege than everyone else. Sure. So that's why they're feeling like, oh, I can cut in front of you in this line or I can step in front of you while you're walking because I paid the amount of money to go here. And that's why it's like, okay. So, no, I would say the happiest place on earth is not uh, Disney World. I I think I'm out on that, too. I can remember my last trip to Disney, and look, I was a kid, but I remember a lot of people being miserable. So uh, I'm out on that. I don't know what the happiest place on earth is, but it doesn't belong in uh, Orlando, Florida, and it doesn't belong in Disneyland either. I will say the happiest place on earth for kids because my daughter is one and a half and she had somebody texted in when we were doing our open said Ferrari you're an idiot for going your kids aren't even going to remember this my one and a half year old is going to remember it because all she does is talk about Elsa and Olaf and all of the people that she met that's the happiest place on earth for her I went when I was really little and like I can't tell you that I remember the entire trip but I remember snippets you you remember the experience yeah it's kind of like anything in life like a lot of it fades off into the distance and Mm -hmm. some of it you'll yeah You've got that memory bank. And I got all these pictures from it. Like, I'm going to remember that. That part of it was very happy for me. I remember getting grounded one time when we went on the trip. You got grounded in Disney World? Yeah. Man, that's tough. Man, what kind of jerk were you? Apparently one that was really bad because it was like a three-month grounding. You didn't have any experiences of losing the kids, right? Did you guys do the leashes? So we left my – so it's not really the leash, but it's like – it's like a thing that attaches to her arm that attaches to the stroller so she can walk next to us. So I guess that's still a leash. I just – and – I'm not shooting down anybody's parenting, whatever they decide to do. I just don't like the idea of like having a backpack on my kid and have to drag it like a dog. So we just put it on her arm so she could walk next to it. But honestly, she preferred to ride it. We had the, we borrowed it from my sister-in-law, the, 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 the same side stroller. So like the girls could sit next to each Mm -hmm. other. They preferred to ride in that most of the day because they could eat their snacks, drink their water and just, and don't have to walk. And don't have to walk. That's what I'd be doing. But there were times like at, at Hollywood studios where it was a little bit open and we just let her run around because we'd watch her. But no, thank God I didn't lose my kids. You guys go into the, uh, the dino area, the kids. What's the dino area? Oh, at Animal Kingdom. Oh, we didn't do Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom has this dino area where the kids go and like dig. For, oh god, for dinosaur no, no, that's that's a nightmare. She's uh, until my daughter until my daughter uh, listens to me when I say her name to come here. We aren't doing anything like that. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line for in or out, guys. In or out? Since the Super Bowl is a de facto national holiday, the NFL will eventually have it permanently played on President's Day weekend, especially if they end up adding more regular season games. That way, the day after the Super Bowl is considered a holiday, and people don't have to go into work. I do think that we should get to a place. First of all, I've got some thoughts on work weeks. I think it should be a four-day work week, not a five-day work week. Second of all, clip that for over. Look how much I enjoy. We got a meeting with our boss on Thursday. Yeah, clip Clip that for me. Hours will not be a five a four-day work week. We'll always have a five-day work week. But for the regular, your everyday casual Joe, hold on, you should be working four days. No, 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 no. 
this way. <laughs> um, I think that it should be a holiday after the after the Super Bowl. I, I oh, think people I should too. have the day off work. Yeah, I, I, I mean, what the, else? There is no other time in American history where 100 million people are watching the same thing at once. Yeah. So yeah, day after I think. It's, and it's, how much are you really accomplishing when you're hung over the next day? Not a lot. Can confirm. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I'm in on this. Okay. Uh, 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service X line for in or out. Guys, in or out, the blue should trade Jordan Bennington at the deadline. What? Man, we would really be bad if we yeah. moved him. I'm in. Boy, you're, you were going into full tank mode this. No, that's I'm out. That's dumb. Why? If you even want to try and be competitive next season, why would you trade the MVP of your team this season? Who's your goaltender next year? Joe uh, Holfer? Yeah, yeah baby. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm out on this deal. There, Come, on. Come no, on now. There's no need to deal Jordan Bennington. You've got assets that are going to be, one, just easier to move because Bennington would be tough with his cap hit and the long-term deal. And two, like Alex said, if you're going to if you're going to retool quickly and be good next year or in two years, Bennington's going to be the guy that's going to be helping the driving force there. So you, you can't move him. You have a guy who has proven to you that even with this defense, he can steal a playoff series. That, you, you just retool the team. Bennington's part of your core. Bennington. Yeah. Your, your core right now. Tell me if you agree with this, Alex. Bennington is definitely one of them. I would say Shin. Uh-huh. Kyrou. Yep. Thomas. Yep. Buchnevich. Absolutely. Justin Falk. Yeah, I'd say Falk and Pareko. I agree with them. I had six. You have seven. I know. You guys hate Pareko. It's fine. In or out. If a team was willing to take Colton Pareko for basically nothing, you'd be willing to trade him at the deadline. I'm out. I I said this before we went, and I understand everybody is super frustrated with Colton Pareko. This has been a bad season for him. He would tell you that. But go look at his numbers. He's not been a bad player every single season. And for six and a half million dollars, I get it. He's got seven more years on his contract, which sucks. But six and a half million dollars is not overpaying for Colton Pareko. And I think he is a guy that you need on your team. So uh, I'm out on that. I think I'd be in on it. I, I think I would. If someone would take that long-term deal for Pareko, I, I would do it. I, I don't think Pareko's your number one guy. And though he's not being paid as a number one defenseman at $6.5 million in his AAV, being paid by that by the term that they gave him giving him the max deal and i i just don't think he's going to be that alpha dog that the blues thought they had in him so i i would move him i i would be willing to get one of those big long-term contracts off the books i think that's something they've got to do in the offseason is find a way to move somebody i don't know who not necessarily prego but one of those long-term deals someone would be willing to do it now yeah i'd jump the gun on it and i'd move colton prego let me ask you this then if that's what you want you don't have you, to sound angry about it. No, I'm not angry. I'm just you I'm, I'm like just, a parent that yeah. was disappointed. I'm not just mad, asked, yeah. just disappointed. I'm just, I'm yeah, that, that's seriously what it felt like. Are you cool then for the next four years, the top two defensemen in terms of ice time being Tory Krug and Justin Falk? I don't think that's what that means, though. I think it does because you're not getting a defenseman who's coming in return of that. And if you're getting that off the books, who are you signing? Figure that out. I, yeah. I might make a trade. Maybe I'm getting Jacob Chikrin. You're not getting Jacob Chicken for Colton Pareko. No, I'm not saying no, no. for Colton Pareko. A separate Pareko. deal it, in the offseason. It's off not season. an A plus B equals C. It's a 
A plus B equals C, which then plus D equals A. Like, I, I just there's think it, multiple different moves that could be taking place simultaneously. Maybe it's a Pareko deal at the deadline, opens up the cap space, and then you get more flexibility from these picks that are coming in for O'Reilly and Tarasenko. You add that all up. Bingo, bango, bongo. Bob is your uncle. Now I've got... Well, usually it's Bob's your uncle. Not Bob is your uncle. We oh. use contractions here on the show. Touche. Maybe I'll be wrong with this. To me, I feel like this is just a bad season for Colton Pareko. And if you do it again next year and you've got a string of bad seasons, then I'll get on board with this. But I'm looking at this the same way I'm looking at Justin Falk. Outlier. It's a bad season overall by a team. There will be changes and you fix it next season. All right. Next thing up. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Similar conversation. In or out. The Blues should trade Jordan Cairo for a big return before his long-term contract kicks in. The question wow. is... Wow. That's where I we're can't at. believe this really? is the one you're hesitant on. Really? No, 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 no. I'm not hesitant, but here's my question. Who, what's the big return that you're getting? Because you're not getting anything that's going to be better, younger, and I say more cost-controlled, but he's also going to be making $8 million. You're not getting... Like, Timo Meyer. I think a lot of people would look at a Timo Meyer and say, trade Jordan Cairo for Timo Meyer. So RFA, he's a more experienced player. He's got a little bit more defense in his game. But you're going to be paying Timo Meyer $8 million plus, and you're probably going to sign him to a long-term contract. Everybody... I mean, we saw this with Bo Horvat, who's had Absolutely. one and a half good seasons. Yeah, He just got $8.5 million over eight years. Yeah. This is the new going rate for anybody that is a... a Goal score 28 or below. So that's, that's, I'm not hesitant. I'm out on this. But my question is like, when you say this, who who are you imagining is the big return? Because you're not getting Matthew Kachuk for Jordan Kyrou. You're not getting a game changer. I saw that smirk, T Bone. You were thinking they could have got it in the offseason. I didn't say it. You're not getting a better player. I'm assuming people are saying you just go into tank mode and you're getting like Ah. draft picks and prospects. Two, three first round picks, prospects. Then you're in for a five to eight year turnaround rather than a one-year turnaround if you have a good offseason and as we kind of saw in the piece that jr put out on the athletic the survey not a lot of people supported a long rebuild they want this to be real turnaround agreed and and i I think when you look at the Cairo question here i'm out on it because i think he's your core i I think you sign up you're going to get the flaws with Cairo, but you're also going to get the great moments where he could be a point per game guy he could be what a 40 goal scorer for this team like i I still believe Cairo has the potential to put up better numbers than what Vladdy did in his prime. Every, and, and with that being said, I, I wouldn't move. He's untouchable. Every young player in the NHL has had bad. Nathan McKinnon was bad in his first couple of seasons with Colorado. Jack Hughes has been bad with the New Jersey Devils. Nikita, Nikita Kucherov with Tampa Bay, although he was putting up 100 plus points, was bad defensively. Everybody goes through this. Cairo will be better. Again, this is a outlier of a season. I would imagine there's going to be some type of change with this team. If Cairo continues to be like this, then you can start having these conversations. But right also, now, this is a bad year. Jordan Cairo is currently on pace for 37 goals and 76 assists. Or excuse me, 76 points. That 76 assists would be a damn, wild Damn, he's on season. pace for 113 points. If this guy was on another team, we'd be talking about how do the Blues get him? Just because we're not watching his defensive struggles on a night-to-night basis. Guys, Tage Thompson is having an incredible season. Tage Thompson is bad defensively. Terrible. This is not this, good. This is this is the NHL with young players. I do think there needs to be a little bit more, um, what's the right, responsibility in his game, but that comes with age and maturity in the NHL. Yeah, I, 
I don't, I can't believe that we're really having these conversations, but I, I guess that's where we're at. I, I, my answer to the question is a definitive no. I'm completely out. You're I would not, not be interested. You're just not getting anything in return that's better than what Jordan Cairo is in terms of age, price, and skill. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll hit the rewind, but next, who are the superstars in sports that you simply have no interest in having on your team? There's one that was traded over the weekend that fits that criteria for me. We'll talk about it next. You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Kyrie Irving is a superstar. Make no mistake about this. His brother can ball. Um, and him and Luka Doncic together can make some special things happen. I don't think anybody could deny that. There's still a question mark as to whether or not he's going to be all in. I don't think we have a reason to believe otherwise based on how he was playing up until he made his trade demand. That was Stephen A. earlier today on First Take talking about the man that I want no part of on my favorite team. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kyle. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex, there are certain guys that just aren't worth the headache that comes along with them. And Kyrie Irving, for me, is one of those players. If I was an NBA team, I don't want to touch him with a 10-foot pole unless I am in a place of complete desperation. So if you're the Lakers, maybe it would have made sense for you. Otherwise, I don't want that guy on my team. He's miserable. Everywhere he's gone, he's been miserable. He was on the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James and said, I want to go have my own team. So guess what? He got his own team, went over to Boston. He was supposed to be the leader of that team. You know what happened there, Alex? He didn't even sit on the bench in game seven of a playoff series. Why? Because he got some nose surgery that he had to take place that specific day. You can't appreciate nose surgery if something's oh, come wrong. come on now. Don't say that to me. So he says, you know what? I got to get all the way up out of here. Even though he said all year, yeah, I can't wait to sign, re-sign with the Boston Celtics. Huh? Nope. Got to get up out of here. I'm going to, Bo- or to Brooklyn. 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 With my buddy, Kevin Durant. We're going to form our own team. Super team. Guess how that goes. They played a combined 70 games together over the course of the last three seasons. Yeah, James Harden, got to get him up out of here. We get Ben Simmons. The corpse of Ben Simmons ain't good enough to be able to make things work. Whoa! Every time that he has a new opportunity, it goes to hell because of him. At some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm the problem. Kyrie Irving has been the problem at every step. When he leaves, things get better. The culture gets better wherever he was previously after he walks through that door and gets out of the arena. If you're the Mavericks, if you're a Mavs fan today, it's going to be exciting. I bet you over the next few weeks, this thing looks glorious because Kyrie Irving, as Stephen A. said, is an incredibly talented basketball player. One of the most skilled, and I say that word for a reason, individuals in the NBA that I've watched. In my entire time watching the NBA, as skilled as you're going to find, and I have no interest in having that dude on my team. Yep, I'm kind of with you there. The success that Kyrie Irving had in Cleveland was because of LeBron James, but I also think it was because all the focus was on LeBron James and Kyrie could kind of be the Robin to the Batman. Does that help him in Dallas now? Because as much of a superstar as he is, Luka is the Batman and he gets to be the Robin. For a little while. For a little while, and then of course... KD, it was the same thing. With LeBron, it was like... You'll have some t- some success. Boston turned into Jason Tatum becoming mm-hmm. Batman while he was there. The thing about it is, and there are outliers, one person in scenario, that if this is Ryan O'Reilly, and I always look at a player 
who requests trades or is traded multiple times. And you ask yourself why. Because if you're that great of a player, you stick where you're at and you have success. Ryan O'Reilly was an outlier to me because a lot of people looked at it and said he wanted out of Buffalo. He wasn't a good player. He went from Colorado, did the offer sheet with Calgary, and then was traded to Buffalo and then Buffalo to St. Louis. But we've all seen how great of a player Ryan O'Reilly has been. But there are a lot of other circumstances that when you watch a player be traded multiple times in his career, you're thinking something's up here. And you see the success does not follow that player. That's Kyrie Irving. Since Cleveland, when he left, there has been zero success with him as a team. Individually, he's had success. But as a team, not there. Yeah, anytime you kind of want to get away from like the goat of your generation, it starts to raise some questions. And then when you do it constantly again and again, asking for trade requests, always in the news for the wrong reasons, then then I, I know he's a problem. And I, I would not have done this move if I were the Dallas Mavericks. I get it. Look, his skill on paper, this deal looks great. You know, when you're playing that NBA 2K video game, Kyrie, Luka, who's going to stop you? But then when you start to think about the personalities that are being involved in this, Kyrie's going to be a problem for the Dallas Mavericks. Who wants the ball on that team? It's Luka. Who now wants the ball? It's Kyrie. How is that going to gel? Probably not very well. I don't think there's going to be much of a honeymoon phase. I I think this goes well for one, two weeks, as BK said. And then we're talking about the Mavericks as a first-round exit. He's just one of those guys that, on paper, always makes sense for a team because he does have that great talent that you're talking about. But then when you start to bring in that personality and, and kind of what he's been what he's gone through in his career and you see how he's exited all these other teams, it's not gonna it's not gonna go well. I, I this is one of those guys I would not want on my team. I agree with you completely. Who else is in that category? Because you guys know Aaron Rodgers is definitely that guy for me. I don't <laughs> Big want him. circle on that one. Yeah, don't need him anywhere near my program. Carson Wentz is kind of in a different category of like he's not that talented, but I want no part of him. Yeah, but I don't even think it's because he's miserable. I just think it's because he's not good. I, I think he's miserable. His he, man, do you know how quickly in Indianapolis his coaches and teammates were like, "Yeah, we can't have that dude here. We got to get him Zach, all the way up." Zach out of here. Wilson. Zach Wilson. Zach is a good Wilson. One? I mean, he's been what in the league for two two years, three years, yeah. and he's already a miserable. You know what? Uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio would be in this category. Yeah, you know, I think he fits. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good fit. Kyler right there. Murray would be on this list for me. Don't oh, I would him. agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Don't want yeah. him anywhere near my team. Here's one I think Tanner will probably agree with. I'm not there yet, but if we don't see things turn around quickly. I think that we'll get there. Fernando Tatis Jr. is quickly working his way into oh, this yeah. category. I, again, I like the contract plays into things, and so you probably I, wouldn't he, trade for that deal. If he has another season from hell this year, he'll be on a list like I, this. I think he's already there. I, I, I think he's more like a Manny Machado, where I mean, it looks that way early on, and then he gets back into his competitive stage. See, I think he's there because I, I, I can't remember what year it was. I guess it was the last year he was healthy. You had when they fell apart and they fired, uh, was it Tingler was the manager there? Uh, they uh, When they fired him, that year was when you had Machado chewing out uh, Tatis, getting into it in the dugout, and then you have the issues this past offseason where he's not communicating with the front office. Part of that was the lockout, but then when it came back and he basically told him, oh, yeah, I'm fine, and then tried swinging a bat, didn't tell him about the motorcade accident to where he fell and broke his wrist, and then you get the PED suspension on top of all of it. I, I think he's already in that conversation. We got some other ones on the list uh, from the text line three one four three nine 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 six four six. Deshaun Watson would be in this category. That's that's more off field. Yeah, than I was going to say I don't in think in the uh, locker room, but yes, he would be on my list as well. Mm-hmm. And then Trevor Bauer, kind of in that same category. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Are there any others for you, Alex? That would kind of be in this category. Are there any NHL players? That are this way, where it's like you just don't think. want them anywhere near your team because of what they do. Says Jack Eichel. 
I don't know if Eichel fits in that. I don't category. think Jack Eichel fits that. I think that was more of a Buffalo Sabres problem than a yeah. Jack Eichel problem. And same with Ryan O'Reilly. He's been great in Vegas. I think a lot of people, well, he's been hurt in Vegas Evander a lot Kane, too. Maybe. Yeah, Evander Kane, but I mean, he's had success with Edmonton, but he would fall into that category. I forgot who, there was a podcast of a former player that played with him uh, with the Atlanta Thrashers and said he was he was a miserable you-know-what. A lot of people would probably say a Nazem Kadri, but he had success with Colorado. I think that's more of a result of... Eric um, Carlson might have been on this list a year ago. <laughs> Eric Carlson, I think, is going to be on that list no matter what. He's just making the best of a bad situation in San Jose right now. Man, I don't know. Hockey hockey is so tough because the sport, the the team holds those players accountable. Um and if there's a if there is like a the Jack Eichel one of the trade requests, it only typically happens with one team. I haven't seen a guy get dealt between teams multiple times. Yeah. I was trying to think if there's any other ones. I don't think there's Wasn't really Pierre any other Luke ones. Dubois on this list Dubois. at one point. Yeah, but I mean he requested And that was oh. more of the Tortorello thing. Yeah, yeah that was well, more Tortorello being a what's POS. His, uh who's in Columbus now? Um Line, a. Line, Line a. was, I think Line a got yeah. into this. Line a was a little, but a little bit like that, and then now he's been injured so much with Columbus. So yeah, I can see that one. I don't know if there's any other ones in hockey. Hockey, hockey again. It's such a weird one because Tony like D'Angelo. A lot of people. Yeah, are but that was off ice issues, and I mean, look how much success he had with Carolina last year, and now he's in Philadelphia with Tortorella. Like Tortorella seems to be the more the <laughs> Tortorella might be on this list actually more than anybody else. Uh, JT Miller might be that guy. I mean, he's gone from Tampa Bay. Uh, now he's with Vancouver and all of the issues that Vancouver's been having, and he's been wearing the captain, so he might be Hall? on this list. Taylor Hall, I think, kind of had that vibe for a while because he was one that kind of bounced around teams for a while. I don't know if he wanted out of Edmonton as MVP, much as though. Edmonton wanted him out. Uh, yeah, that might be pretty telling, too. Yeah, but I think it was because they couldn't win with him. And then he went to New Jersey and had a lot of success, and in Boston now he's having a ton of success. Yeah, um, that one feels like he played for bad teams. <laughs> like, who? Taylor, Taylor Hall. Hall. You look back on his yeah. career and you're like, well, he was rebuilding with New back Jersey. On it, I kind of understand yeah. why things went poorly with him. Right. Jersey, like, Arizona. I wonder how this is yeah. going to go. And Buffalo. now he's in Boston <laughs> and look at what he's doing. Like he's having a ton of success. So hockey players, maybe those would be the ones on that list. I, I think that the, what I by doing this, what we found out is there's just not a whole lot of guys that are this miserable. Someone texted in uh, Neil a special Neil Yakusha, which I'm assuming means Nail Yakupov. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, Nail Nail Yakupov. I don't know if he was miserable as much as he just wasn't bad. a first overall draft pick. We'll hit the rewind next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. show be sure to check out the podcast page it's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers 101ESPN.com the free 101 ESPN app is where you find it had some great conversations uh, about Alex's trip to Disney World the happiest place on earth Eh. allegedly according Eh. to some I was very happy Uh, the people there were not so much the open is where you can find all of that conversation we also had a good conversation with a national analyst who compared Brendan Donovan to Juan Soto. And said the Cardinals are getting to show Aotani. So you can find that on the podcast page. It's all available for you right there. Get it. 
He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We're all going to be here all week. How about Woo-hoo! that? It's a, it's a great thing that we've wow. got going here. Until BK takes another vacation. Super Bowl week here on BK and Ferrario. Coming up next is the Fastlane with Michelle Smallman and Anthony Stalter here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.